tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie morning welcome along to tip today on uh, this lovely thursday morning and uh, saint bridget's day as well uh, 1800-938-007 that's a free phone number won't cost you to make a call leanne is producing today coming up on the show this morning we hear about the thurless bypass meeting that happened yesterday is a hybrid work model the way to go health insurance price hikes we'll be chatting about that to dermot good uh, what is the deposit return scheme because I'm a little bit confused about this, I must say, but I know that Leanne will be explaining that to us just after 10 o'clock this morning. Tony Allen of Foster and Allen uh, on his brand new solo album, the first uh, solo album in 50 years, would you believe? He'll be talking to us about that and indeed his appearance at Brew Brew this coming Saturday night. Muriel Cuddy of Marito 8020 will be with us for the health slot and we'll get the latest farming updates from uh, Katrina of the Irish Farmers Journal. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. I look at some of your front pages today, the Irish Indo, in fact, right across the uh, newspapers today. More on RTE scandals and uh, the Indo uh, telling us that D Forbes uh, a golden handshake in what uh, Backhurst's uh, HR chief knew, and that's referring to a piece inside by Fionnon Sheehan. Um, their main headline, over 55s are warned over a surge in investment fraud, and that's something that we cover here on the programme along with the Gardaí uh, all of the time. The Irish Times and their main story, the British measures uh, which uh, secured the uh, DUP's return to power sharing in the North are expected to become law today, paving the way for the imminent restoration of the Northern Ireland political institutions. And also on the Times today, again, where RTE is concerned, an independent report into exit packages paid to RTE staff under a voluntary redundancy scheme has said the revenue commissioners may wish to investigate whether tax was paid correctly in several cases. So that's trundling on as well. The Irish Daily Mail. And again, it's an RTE story or a, another angle on that story. A €400,000 golden handshake for RTE's former uh, chief financial officer was signed off on by the current head of HR uh, under instruction from the former Director General D. Forbes, who, as you know, since the start of all of this, has been silent because she's... Uh, been uh, unwell. The Irish Examiner and uh, their main story, obesity patients forced to, to wait up to five years for treatment are having to travel to countries such as Turkey for treatment despite horror stories involving Irish patients and again that's something that we've covered on the programme uh, quite a lot last year. And also a very worrying story on the front of the Examiner today, the tragic death of a girl who took her own life after being sucked into websites uh, presenting suicide as a romantic way to end a life has formed part of a large-scale submission to regulate online uh, media. And again, that's uh, a subject we'll be covering over the coming weeks. And uh, 
That's uh, generally what's on the front of the newspapers today. If you want to make comments on any of that, so we'd love to hear from you. 083 311 The long-standing issue of a Thurless bypass was the subject of a meeting between councillors, Dáil representatives and the TII. But has the meeting moved the project any closer? Well, let's find out because councillor Jim Ryan was there yesterday and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Jim. Uh, good morning, Fran. Hey, good to talk to you. Will you just tell us the background to the meeting uh, in the first place, Jim? Yes, Fran. Um, I suppose I just want to start off by um, thanking and complimenting Deputy Jackie Cahill, yeah. um, who arranged the meeting with uh, Junior Minister Jack Chambers, um, who is the Junior Minister for, for Transport. Um, so we got a meeting with him yesterday. Um, and I suppose just to mention that last year, the District Council in, in Torles, the Torles Municipal District Council, had written to the, the Minister for Transport, Eamon Ryan, on two separate occasions seeking a meeting with him, and we never even got a response back or an acknowledgement to those wow. requests. So uh, that was very disappointing. So following on from that, Deputy Cattle uh, promised to, to arrange a meeting with Junior Minister Jack Chambers, and that came about yesterday. And as you correctly said, a delegation went up. Um, I was there myself as chairman of the Sabre Square Committee. John Nolan from Tipperary County Council Roads Capital Section was there who gave a fantastic presentation. Uh, Councillor Seamus Hannafin, um, Deputy Jackie Cahill was there. And then we had Kieran Lennan, Pat Hayes, who were traders on the square, but also members of the Sabre Square Committee. Mm. And we had John Buckler from Turner's Chamber. So we had a widespread of people there yesterday outlining the need for the bypass for Turles. And in fairness to Minister Jack Chambers, um, I feel myself and everybody, after we had a quick chat after the meeting, agreed that we got a, a very positive mm. response back from the minister. And he did give a commitment that he would do whatever he can to get uh, the bypass project for Torlis in the review for the National Development Plan next year. And that's the vital part of the meeting, I guess, was getting it in to the National Development Plan because that's that's how you'll get something like this done, I guess, Jim. Yeah, unless unless the bypass project for Torlis is in the, in the National Development Plan, which goes up to 2040, mm. um, we've absolutely no chance of getting the bypass <coughs> for Torlis. So... I suppose the most important year for the town will be next year. That's when the current National Development Plan is under review. Mm. Um, that was the purpose of our meeting yesterday, was to try and convince the Minister to get Turles bypass projects into that mm. review. And, you know, uh, if we could get it into it, at least we have a chance of getting the bypass project moved to the next stage. But if we don't get it into mm. review, I'm afraid you and me and a lot of other, if your listeners listening today, it won't be around by the time the bypass comes to Turles. So it's vitally important that Minister Chambers uses whatever influence he has uh, to take on board what we said and to get that, 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 that you know, the, in the yes. review of the development plan next year to get the bypass budget into it. As you say, Jackie Cahill organised the minister yeah. uh, the, the meeting with uh, Jack Chambers. Did it appear to you that Jack Chambers knew about the project? I mean, had he background on this? Uh, he did, yeah. He had his homework done on yeah. it. So, um, like in fairness to him, I've been up at a lot of delegation meetings with various ministers down through the years, and I have to say, leaving the meeting yesterday, you'd say that this guy had a big interest in what we were saying. He agreed with everything we were saying. It wasn't the case that he was there and that he's a servant beside him was just taking notes, and mm. he was just nodding his head. Um, mm. He fully agreed with us. Um, 
as I said, all this, all everybody on the delegation made fantastic contributions. Mm. Um, we all outlined the reasons why we should have the bypass. Outlined the number of accidents, the number of deaths down through the years. That was twenty thousand vehicles passing through Torrestown Centre on a daily basis. Um, like he knew that. Um, he compared Thurles with Charleville as the two towns in Ireland with the most number of deaths um, caused to pedestrians by heavy goods vehicles. Mm. And yeah. in his opinion, those two towns should have a bypass. Um, and, you know, I felt very confident leaving the meeting that, you know, we, we got somewhere mm. for the first time in a long time regarding the bypass project. And, and so Jim, I, were, were you able to present to him, or, or indeed other parts of your team there yesterday, were you able to present a preferred route and options? Are you that far down the line, I suppose, Jim, as well, I'm saying well, Fran, we actually have a route and a preferred option peak since 2011. Yeah. So, you know, we were making progress up to then. Um, unfortunately, due to the crash, the, the bypass project for Torres was removed from the National Development Plan. It has never been included again. And we outlined that to the Minister that, look, we're not looking for it to be, to be put into a National Development Plan for the first time. Mm. All we want is for it to go back into the National Development Plan that it had previously been in. Mm. We outlined that we're not looking for a cheque of 300 or 500 million today. We just want Torres Bypass Project to be put mm. in to the National Development Plan and take it from there. And, and the work um, and the planning that was done on this up until the crash, is that still applicable, Jim? It is. The route is still there. Yeah, correct. Um, so it's not a case, I suppose. Starting from zero. To, yeah. Starting from zero and we're, we're all you know, trying to pick routes and, and you know, um, we've already gone through that process. Um, so it's just a matter of getting on the next level and that has been stagnated since 2011. But mm. Look, I just want to compliment, you know, the delegation went up yesterday. I think we had a wide and varied um, members of the delegation yesterday who all gave fa- fantastic presentations. And I have to say, you know, that the minister was very impressed with what we were saying, very sympathetic um, to what we were saying. And as you say, he had his homework done. And, you know, and as I said, he kept mentioning the fact that towns like Torles need a bypass. Mm. So that, that really gave me hope that, you know, this minister is genuine in... in in what he's saying. So I suppose we, we just, at the end of it all, he just said, look, the review will happen next year and as, as a junior minister for transport, he'll do all he can to get Torres in that of review. Of course, yeah. Um, it, all of these plans, I mean, it was speaking about the N24 of the last few days as well, Jim, I mean, they, they seem to be long term. Is it a fair question to put to you? When, I mean, if, if it ends up in the National Development Plan, when would we see um, a bypass at Thurs. I mean, are we talking 10 years down the line? When... Yeah, see, what happens next, if it's put into a national development plan, it then goes as a priority to TII. Um, TII then will look at a list of projects that are now included in the national development plan and they then would decide as a board um, which one of the bypasses would need to be, I suppose, started or onto the next level from the list I have in front of them. Now, at the moment, we're not even on that list. So, I mean, this is not going to happen overnight. Even if Turles was put into the review mm. of the development plan next year, we're not talking about the bypass project starting next year. Um, the next stage after that, then, is to convince the TII that Turles is a priority. Now, in fairness to Tipperary County Council, they meet the TII every month. Mm. We, we, as councillors, meet the TII every year. And the number one priority for both the councillors and the council officials from Tipperary County Council is the bypass project for Turles. So... And the TII are fully aware of, of that priority and I've always said that, look, their hands are tied because it's not in the National Development Plan and if it was, they would see it as a priority as well. So, 
you know, there's a yeah. lot of levels and a lot of hoops to go through, Fran, to, to get to the stage yeah. where, I can, where I can say to you or anyone else can say to you, yeah, this, this is what's going to happen next. But the number one priority um, for everybody is to get, first of all, turn us back into national development plan. And, you know, that's, that's and we won't know that until yeah. next year. So we as politicians and as business people in the town, we will be doing everything we can to, to ensure that happens. But at the end of the day, it's the likes of... Minister Jack Chambers, Minister Eamon Ryan, <coughs> it's, it's their decision at the end of the day. They can decide whether it goes in or not. Yeah, so and, hopefully they... and in the meantime then, Jim, I mean, people like yourself and your colleagues, you have to manage the traffic within the town over probably the next decade or so. And that in itself has huge challenges, doesn't it? Massive. I mean, there's so many streets in Turles that are just not capable of taking the traffic that's there at the moment. Um, there's, as I said to you already, which is absolutely alarming, is that at the moment there's over 20,000 vehicles passing through Liberty Square, the town centre, on a daily basis. A lot of them will be heavy goods vehicles. They'll be tractors, they'll be lorries, they'll be articulated lorries. Um, that perhaps have no need to go through the square, you know, and their purpose is to get into the town so they can continue on their journey. So we have to get those vehicles off the square, off the town centre, Turles. Um, and I would be really worried going forward over the next 10, 15, 20 years that unless we get this bypass for Turles, I would be really concerned um, as regards safety of pedestrians, safety of motorists and the stagnation of the town for, for you know, for job creation or, or new business starting. And it's very important that this piece of infrastructure is delivered for Turles and you know, I suppose the proof will be in the pudding next year when, when the review is carried out and whether or not Turles is going to be included in it. But I have to say, Fran, you know, that uh, I want to thank Tip FM because you've been very helpful to us in highlighting this issue for a long time. Um, it's not just the, the odd few people that are banging this drum. And it is a major project, not just for Turles, but the whole county of Tipperary. And, you know, we have the backing of the people of Tipperary on this project. And hopefully now that the people in the high powers, such as the ministers and the government, listen to us for, for a change. All right, Jim, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you and good morning to we you. We appreciate that, Frank. Thank you very much. How about you now? That's Councillor Jim Ryan speaking to us uh, following that meeting yesterday with uh, Minister Jack Chambers as organised by uh, Deputy Jackie Cahill. Uh, 1800-938-007, the text and WhatsApp uh, 083-311-3311. Uh, it says here, isn't it ironic that the people who fought to keep the post office on Main Street in Thurlis now looking to bypass... Uh, the town, yeah, you see, that not that always the argument, you know, about bypassing towns? And it's always one of the concerns uh, that, you know, if you do bypass a town, you, you take everything by way of the, the major traffic out of the town. And is there an economic benefit to having traffic in a town? And uh, that's always questioned, I suppose. But uh, then again, let's put it out there. How do you feel uh, about that? Lesson says, Fran, just in relation to one of the stories you read out from the papers, I was recently put on the waiting list for a gastric operation to be done in Ireland. I got a letter in the post to confirm this, but it stated on it it would be seven years before it would be done. That would make me 42. Now, I know people will say I should go on an exercise regime, but it's not that simple for some people, but that's for certain. Um, this listener goes on to say, I've tried that. I've tried diets. I work as a chef. So I find it hard to do both. And uh, that's, that's an interesting one. But seven years, it's no wonder that people are taking the option to, um, to go out foreign, whether it's Turkey or wherever, to get that done. But there are issues... Uh, where that is concerned as well. We'll take a break back in just a moment. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Following the VHI um, a price hike, we will be speaking to Dermot Good of Total Health's uh, cover in just a little while. So if you have a question... Uh, or if you have an issue you want to bring up where health insurance is concerned, will you log it with us as soon as you can on 083 311 and I will put it to a Dermot, or you might want to speak to Leanne about it on 1800-938-007, and that's a, a free phone number, it won't cost you uh, to make that call. Now, the Codex study released last week highlighted uh, um, the fact that 57% of Irish workers prefer the hybrid work structure. And many office hubs, including the Republic of Work in Clonmel, have been set up around the country to offer an alternative to the traditional office and Sarah from the Republic of Work in Clonmel joins me now. Sarah, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. And thanks for making time for us this morning, Sarah. Will you first of all explain what you do with Republic of Work? Yeah, totally. Um, so Republic of Work is a co-working space. So it was originally set up in Cork seven years ago. Um, so we just launched in Clonmel January of 2023. Um, and basically what a co-working space is, is if you work for yourself and you maybe like can't afford like a big office space on like um, a main street or like in the town centre, or if you were working for a multinational and you only had the option to work from home and you wanted to kind of get out of the house, Mm. Uh, meet new people and um, just kind of socialise I guess um, it's somewhere where you can come and work from here essentially it's kind of like I guess it's kind of like a big fancy library yeah. <laughs> just without the book um, and then it also has kind of like social elements and um, there's like different events that people attend and things like that as well So it's a kind of a halfway house between working from home and working in the office to some extent Sarah I suppose Yeah I guess it is yeah. And and are you surprised at any of the findings from the Codex uh, survey that 57% of workers, they feel they're more productive when they're working outside of the traditional office? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I suppose since post-COVID, like, co-working has really been on the rise. Like, a lot of people before, like, wouldn't have known what co-working was. Um, and, like, since COVID, like, there's been a massive boom. Um like with co-working hubs around the country, like obviously we were set up before COVID and we mm. even saw like a big increase um, post-COVID, but um, there was a government initiative launched, oh, I think it was two years ago now at this stage, um, called Connected Hubs. And I think that kind of really highlighted like what co-working hubs were. Um, and there's different types of them, like there's BCPs and things that would be kind of smaller operations. And then there would be like larger co-working hubs like ourselves um, that would have kind of like multiple things going on within them. Um, but no, I, I really don't think it's surprising. Um, like we would have a lot of members that would come in probably say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and then work from home on a Monday and Friday because you can kind of like ease yourself into the week a, a bit, I guess. Yeah, I, I I always had my doubts about the whole working from home bit, to be honest with you, because I would find it very difficult to do, Sarah, I think, and not be distracted uh, by various different things, including watching television, I suppose. But what you do is at at least you're going somewhere and you're sitting down and this is my work 
hub. So it, do, it does take you out of the house, but not quite maybe a commute of an hour and a half to your job. Yeah, exactly. And like particularly at the start of last year, um, we had a massive spike in numbers and it was people coming in and they were like, I actually can't work from home anymore. Mm, yeah. um, they were like, for my mental health, I need to get out of my house. Mm. Interesting. And what kind of workers do you have uh, using your hub at Republic of Work? I mean, just in general, what do they do? It's really broad spectrum. Like there, we do a lot of work with startups, um, but then there's anything from solicitors, architects, um, content creators. Like there's literally everything and anything in here. There's a real kind of mix, but it's also nice because you get that kind of like natural networking element where people are kind of like collaborating and referring work to each other and stuff like that as well. And um, so it's kind of like a real productive environment, but well, it is full of literally a real vast range of people. Yeah, that's interesting because I think it's one of the things you lose out on if you're not in the traditional office situation is that notion of networking with your colleagues and maybe collective ideas and stuff. Yeah, totally. And like there's a lot, there's a few people in here now and they might work for American companies and stuff and like, they could be the only person in Cork or in Tomel for that company. So essentially they're on their own. Like they only have like their Zoom calls and stuff. But by being in a co-working space, like they still have someone to like sit down and have a coffee with or go and grab lunch with. Um, so it's kind of like having a team without actually having a team. And do you use an open plan situation with hot desks or have you separate offices? How, do, how does that work? Um, so we offer both. We, we have hot desks. Um, dedicated desk where you would be in an open plan office but you have your own kind of specific desk where you can leave all your bits and pieces mm. um, and then we also have closed door private offices and things like that as well Yeah and uh, something interesting that you alluded to there as well that some people are working for American companies so you have time zone issues too is that something you, you cater for? Um, kind of um, so we're open until 8 in the evening yeah. um, so we're not open too late um, but in general like People don't. We haven't really had anyone that has a, had an issue with our opening hours. Yes. Um. Like some people might come in in the mornings and then head home and work from home for the afternoon if they were working late or anything like that. Right. Just say it's very good. How how do you do a deal with people then for use of a hot desk, for example? I mean, do you have to, I don't know, lease the desk for a period of time, or how does that work? So we do thirty day rolling contracts, so it's really flexible for people. Mm. Um. It's also really easy for them to try it out to see if they actually like it or not. Um, so it's just like um, a rolling membership. So it's essentially, I guess you could kind of compare it to like a gym membership where you come in, you sign up, um, and your contract is rolled on every month. Um, and it's just a set fee then every month as well. Right. I think it's a marvellous idea altogether. And what about somebody who's completely antisocial like me? If I say, Sarah, you know, I want to make use of uh, Republic of Work as a hub, but I want my own office. I mean, is that a possibility for me? Yeah, yeah, of course, we do have private offices as well. Those would be kind of more on a six to twelve month lease option. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, we do have we do have private office space. Right. Do you see more? I mean, your your own company. Will you be expanding? Do you think? I mean, you started in Cork, you moved to Clonmel. Will this expand around the country for you? Um, we're not entirely sure yet. We do work with other kind of hubs around the country, and um, so we're a part of something called the Irish Tech Hub Network. Um, so it was launched in. 2020, I'm going to say, um, around the time of COVID, where there's kind of like four larger hubs in the country. There would be ourselves in Cork and Tomel now. Um, there's Dogpast Labs in Dublin, um, the Porter Shed in Galway, and the RDI in Kerry. And we're all kind of faced with the same issue of, oh my God, 
Mm. Everyone ha- now has to work from home. What are we going to do with our co-working spaces? Um, and we kind of started working together to kind of like solve problems and whatnot. Um, so now we also do work together in the fact that if you're a member in Republic of Work, you can also work from Dogpatch Lots in Dublin. If you're in Galway, you can work from the Portishead in Galway. Um, so we do kind of work around the country with different initiatives and things. Um, so I'm not sure how far we'll go, <laughs> but maybe. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. If there's somebody at home having a sneaky listen to Tip Today this morning, Sarah, when they should be working and they think they might be <laughs> more productive with a Republic of Work, um, how can they get in touch with you? How can they find out more? Yeah, so um, our website is republicofwork.com. Um, or if anyone wants to shoot me an email, it's just Sarah at republicofwork.com. All right. Lovely to talk to you, Sarah, and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much. Good morning to you. Republic of Work, it's a just it's a very novel idea. Isn't it? Because I've always been, you know, I, no, I just could not work from home, even if it was possible for me to do so. I don't think I could do so. But could I work from a home? Possibly, possibly. 083-311-3311. Uh, Thurlis says it would uh, solve a lot of problems around Thurlis if there were traffic lights put up at junctions. Uh, they work brilliantly. It's the only town around that has no lights or roundabouts. I don't know what the councillors are looking at in the town a child could fix it from a flustered Thurless listener. I'm not sure about <laughs> a child could fix it. Well, a lot of the great and good have attempted to do something about uh, traffic in Thurless as long as I can remember anyway. And in fairness, they've uh, looked at various different uh, options. And the one that occurs to me all the time is Bowes Corner because we were told that uh, a roundabout would be the ideal situation there, but the engineers and their wisdom said, nah, it's not possible, it's too tight there, it just wouldn't happen, you know, so... Um, anyway, what do you think about that? 083-311-3311. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Health insurer VHI has announced uh, price increases that are set to impact more than a million customers amid uh, the cost of living crisis. Now, in the statement, uh, the insurer, which has 1.2 million customers in Ireland, said it was hiking the cost of its plans by an average of 7% from the 1st of March in a move that will have customers paying hundreds more for cover than they were paying this time last year. Now, it will be VHI's third price increase in about a year. And it comes after Irish Life uh, raised its prices by 4.8% for its 510,000 customers in Ireland. Dermot Good is a leading health insurance expert uh, and uh, his own company's total health cover. And he joins me now. Dermot, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today. You said yourself you were expecting an increase, but you did not expect seven percent, Dermot. Yeah, Fran, that's exactly it. We we were we were expecting more increases. Um, if we look at last year, VHI went up in March, and Leia went up in April. After Irish Life went up in January 2023, and we were expecting more of the same this year. But no, we were not expecting seven percent. And, and people, your listeners need to be very careful now on two fronts with this, Fran. So first of all, it's not just 7% because that's the average. Some of the plans we've looked at, you know, would be going up by up to 10%. Wow. And then the second thing that people are missing is they are forgetting that VHI had a similar increase back in October of last year. 
So if you renewed with BHI last March, you have the October increase and you have this March increase coming together. And the cumulative impact of both of those together, that means that many customers now are facing uh, increases of, depending on some of the plans, 15% right up to 19%. And depending on the plan, like Fran, for one adult, that could be anything from €180 Euro, you know, up to anybody on the old Plan B options, mm. which is still a very popular plan for older members, that they'll have to find an extra €449 Euro for one adult. And anybody on the top plan with BHI, the premium care scheme, €693 Euro extra per adult they will have to find. So so these increases are, are, are quite substantial. And, and yes, we, we weren't expecting... We weren't expecting 7% back-to-back. Normally, when, when an insurance company has one big increase, they'll follow with a lesser one. But obviously, BHI has to cover their claims costs. So, But I think this is going to force thousands of people uh, to rethink their cover. They're going, they will have no option, I have no doubt, but to shop around because these increases, they just won't be able to absorb them. And yeah. then, Fran, when you, when mm. you thought it couldn't get any worse, right? you know, what they've also done as well is that they're planning to reduce the benefits on some other plans. So, um, for example, any of your listeners on their really good corporate plans like the, the company plan plus schemes and things like that, they normally get, they only have a one euro excess when they send in their claims. Now mm. there's going to be a 10 euro excess and they're going to cap the amount you'll get back on things like GP and consultants fees. So it really is, it, it's a double-edged sword here. You have an increase, a big increase, and also uh, a potential restriction, <coughs> I beg your pardon, uh, a reduction on some of the benefits. So, yes, no good news for anybody renewing from the 1st of March. I, I'm, I'm afraid. afraid not. And uh, can they adjust um, the, the, the plan that you might have been paying into for years? Can they adjust that with 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 no issue? Yeah, they, so effectively they, they can. They all can and they all do. So people need to think of it like this. Your health insurance is an annual contract. So if I re- renewed last March... And if BHI went up in January or February, mm. nothing will change until the next renewal, which is the 1st of March. But from the renewal and these changes now, both the increases and the change in benefits, so Fran, they will impact people from their renewal date. So if you join on the 1st of March or you renew on the 1st of March, these changes will, will impact you straight away. And I suppose what's particularly frustrating about this is that normally when you have big increases, the insurance companies tend not to touch the benefits. So at least, you know, and even for, by the way, and any employers, any small employers listening to this, they're now going to really have to, to act here because in the past they would say to their staff, well, look, um, we're going to pay the extra cost for you. So don't worry, it's the same cover, it's more expensive, but we'll pay for it. But they can't even say that anymore because now the benefits are changing. So really what it means for members is that they're going to be asked to basically pay more for potentially less cover. Now, you know, VHI will argue, and quite rightly, these are small changes to the benefits. And some of the changes, like the reduction of the cap on the GP and consultants, it could take a couple of years, Fran, before the mm. increases, before mm. those practitioners' increases, let's just say, really have an impact. But the excess of €10, Euro, I mean, for two adults and two children who have one of these corporate plans, as well as being asked to pay maybe an extra €580 Euro just to cover the plan, they now will have an additional €40 Euro of a cost, €10 Euro by four. Uh, because that's the reduction on the outpatient refund. So, look, it's, it's it's pretty startling, and I think a lot of people now, when they get these details, will be taken aback. They they will not be expecting 19, 20%, and then when they see the benefit reductions. And, and my advice, you know, so what do you do about this? My mm. advice to all of your listeners is, look, 
Forget about the increases because they are huge and all the, all the insurance companies are increasing their rates. However, the best advice I can give people is decide on your budget. What can you afford to spend on health insurance? Maybe it was last year's budget or whatever it might mm. be. Mm. And you simply phone VHI and you simply tell them, there's my budget. Now, I want you to find me the closest equivalent plan that's similar to what I have that fits that budget. I'm not paying a cent more than that. And just sit back because they know all their plans and they have to go through them all and come back and recommend something. And whatever they come back with, you challenge them then to basically, well, okay, now explain to me exactly how that compares to what I have and what will I be losing and so on. And Fran, if you don't like what they have to offer you, um, then you simply repeat that process, the exact same question with the other insurance companies. Tell them the plan you have, tell them your budget, and then wait till you see what they come back with. And, and people are saying already to us, well, what's the point shopping around now about all these increases? But like... Fran, I can tell you, if you're on the same plan for three years or more, if, you, you know, if you're paying more than €1,900 per adult, if you've all the family on the same plan, if you've never looked at a corporate plan, not only can you avoid these increases, but even before these increases were announced, people can save €500 to €1,000 per adult. The older the plan, the bigger the savings. And there's new plans coming out all the time. That's what, what people don't realise. So absolutely they should shop around. But they yeah. should start with their current insurer first. I, I rang them up the other... I'm, I'm with uh, VHI, Dermot, and, and I'm mm. one of the people... I, I've never changed over the years. I've never even debated with them over the years or questioned anything very much. But this year I decided, you know, I will. It's up in May. But do you know what surprised when when I read through, when I read through our policy, I, I noticed there was maternity cover and the like on it. And to say we're past uh, a need for that would be would be an understatement. But your man who I was talking to told me, Ash, look, that that doesn't mean anything. That's just kind of there anyway. So you're not really yeah. paying extra for that. Yeah, and do you know what they they really didn't explain that properly to you. So so here's the thing. All of your listeners will see things on their policies that may not apply to them. Mm. You know, so all males have maternity cover and everybody who's over 40, 50 will have maternity. And you'll also have psychiatric and convalescence and fertility and, and alcoholism and so forth on the policies. Now, there's a very clear reason for that, Fran. There's a piece of legislation called minimum benefits. And that compels the insurance companies to put a minimum standard of benefits for for every medical requirement on every plan. Because if they didn't do that, the insurance companies would pick and choose what they want to cover. So, for example, if you live in the UK and other jurisdictions, your psychiatric cover, which is a really important benefit, um, is minimal. It might be 1,000 or 1 euro or 1 day's cover in the entire year. By law in Ireland, every plan has to give you 100 days cover. So what I would say to all of your listeners, if you see things on your plan that don't apply to you, um, ignore them. The reason being is it makes no difference to the premium because it's all factored into the cost. You can't remove it from the plan. Um, in other words, you can't cherry-pick your benefits and, the, and price it accordingly. So that's not the way the legislation works. So they probably they didn't really explain that to you fully, um, Fran, but hopefully, hopefully when you phone them, you, you, you got mm. a better deal. And, and by the way, Fran, people will say to me, well, well, how do I know what plan to ask for? You know, Okay, you can do your homework and get advice and phone them up with a specific plan name. But the best thing to do is just simply tell them your budget and ask them to find you that closest... But, but that's the point, Dermot. I, I didn't get a better deal because they told me they couldn't talk to me until 28 days before my plan is is due to be renewed. Uh, well, actually, now, so, Fran, here's the thing. Sorry, with BHI, and sorry, you did mention your renewal, I think, was May. Mm. So here's the thing with BHI. With BHI, you have an annual contract, and BHI is the only insurance company that will not allow you either increase or decrease your cover until your renewal date. 
And yes, the the pricing is always done a month in advance. So if you were with if you were with, for example, Leia Healthcare or Irish Life Health, they will allow you any member an increase or decrease to a higher plan that they offer at any time during the year. So, Fran, the only thing I would say to you is make sure just on the 1st of April, or Fran, the very least I can do is you text me on the name of your plan and I'll be able to tell you straight away whether there's a better deal with VHI. Um, but that's what people should do. The, the, mm. You'll get your renewal notice a month before the renewal. And right now, I think people will have no option now because of these increases. Um, and the yes. change in benefits they're and, going to have. And to stop apologies, Dermot, I didn't mean to make this about me, but I'm just one of, mm. the, of many, many people who haven't bothered my ass over the years yeah. l- looking for options or changing, and I had a loyalty to who I was with. But that that's probably misplaced loyalty. Yeah, it, it, well, do you know what, Fran, it is, and it's a really good point. And by the way, personal examples are the best way of illustrating what people should do here. So, for example... Inertia is a massive issue. A lot of people just are afraid to touch the cover. They're too busy. They have existing conditions. And they mistakenly believe that, well, no other insurance company will take me on. Yeah. Completely wrong. The law states they must take you on. Like, uh, you know, if Dermot Good needs to have a hip replacement and needs to get stents put in and everything else done, if I switch to an equivalent plan with one of the other insurance companies, um, and if it's cheaper than my current plan, and even if I'm going to cost them 100 or 200,000 euro next year, they must take me on. They have to charge me the same premium as everybody else, and there will be no break in my cover whatsoever, and they must pay the claims. So there are no penalties in health insurance for claiming. But likewise, there are no bonuses for not claiming. And the other thing that you raised there, Fran, as well, there is no such thing as loyalty in health insurance. Loyalty exists in our minds only for health insurance. The insurance companies in Ireland for health insurance are not allowed to reward you in any way for being loyal to them. So every contract is a 12-month contract, irrespective of whether you're with them, 20 years or five mm. years. You know, once once you've had five years continuous cover, you, you have served all of your pre-existing waiting periods. You are on cover no matter where you go. And it's really the only thing people have to do. So the Irish psyche with insurance is tell the insurance companies nothing. But with health insurance, you should tell them everything. So if anybody listening to this now is thinking of switching to another insurance company, um, when you phone that new insurance company, you tell them everything. Tell them your medical history. Tell them the plan you currently have. Tell them the treatment you're planning to get. Tell them all your concerns, your worries, your preferred doctors, hospitals, everything. Because in turn, they then will have to tell you exactly what's covered or not covered by their plan. And then you can make an informed decision. I mean, Fran, right now, just to give your listeners three really good plans right now today, for anybody who's thinking of joining or wondering are they on a good plan, for example, Inspire Plus with Leia Healthcare, €1,418. The Health Guide 2 with Irish Life Health, which is 1420 Now, obviously, before VHI goes up, but the company plan plus level one3 is 1447. They are three excellent semi-private corporate plans that anybody can join, cover up to semi-private in, in every private hospital, like the Bonds in Cork or the Bonds in Limerick or Galway or Galway Clinic. And they also give you 50% back on all of your, your routine expenses like GP and consultants fees. They are fantastic plans that, that anybody can join, you know. So, But the key thing is, what is your budget? How much do you want to spend? And give that to the insurance company and then challenge them and keep them on the phone, Fran, as well. That's the other thing, because they'll send you out all the documentation. Mm. 
it's to- you'd need counselling after going yes, through those documents, you know. Yes. So keep them on the phone. All right. Would you mind answering a few questions because we're, we're Absolutely. flooded with stuff here for you, if that's okay, Jared. I'm a 40-year-old woman. Uh, I need to get started with health insurance. I don't have any, just serious health benefit, which runs out in March. It was a 10-year plan with Irish Laugh. Uh, what does Dermot recommend as a basic starter package? So that's a 40-year-old year Yeah. Yeah, so what I would say is, look, a good mid-level plan is what you really need to look at. Um, And a mid-level plan covers you in public and private hospitals with no bells or whistles added on. So check out, for example, um, DHI have the Enhanced Care 350. Um, Irish Life Health have the Benefit Access 300. And Leia Healthcare have the Signify plan. Now, all those plans cost between 1,000 and 1,080 euros. The only small thing that that person needs to be careful of, Fran, because they are 40, if they've never had cover before, these age loadings were brought in in 2015. So they are six years over the age threshold. There will be a 2% loading for each of those six years. So they'll have to add on 12% to those premiums that I called out. But they are three really good um, mid-level plans. And people need... Now, I know basic plans cost about 500 euro. The problem with basic plans, Fran, is that's mm. exactly what they are, yeah. basic. They don't do anything. You really need a mid-level plan. So if you need to go to any private hospital, like the Bonds Hospitals or, you know, Whitfield and Waterford or whatever it might be, if you have to go there for an MRI or for a day case procedure, you want your plan to cover that. That's why that person should check out those mid-level schemes. Yeah, quite, quite, I'm, I'm summing up a few of the questions coming into us, and they're yeah. wondering why they got bills afterwards when they thought that their health insurance would cover hospital stays, for example. Uh, and okay. I, again, I know this myself because I got a bill for 500 uh, after a, a very short hospital stay. What, what's yeah. that about, Dermot? Okay, so here's the thing. What everybody should do, a general rule of thumb with all health insurance plans is you must check everything in advance with your insurance company. So if you are with your consultant today and they say, right, Dermot, I'm going to bring you in for a small procedure in three weeks' time, you ask them for the procedure code. They will always, the secretaries will always have the procedure code. Now you phone up your health insurer with the name of the consultant, the procedure code, the name of the hospital that you're going to attend, or even if it's just an MRI, phone up and check everything with your insurance company. The insurer will then confirm your exact cover. And if there's an excess on your policy, whatever, they will tell you that. So now you know that you're covered, you know what your maximum shortfall is. So if the hospital sends you any other bills or asks you to pay anything else that doesn't tally with what the insurance company says, you don't pay. And you go back and check everything with the insurance company. But if anybody receives follow-up charges, like really what they have to do, Fan, is get back onto the insurance company straight away to say, sorry, what's this about? Like, Because sometimes they send receipts or bills onto the member when those bills should have been included in the claim that went directly to the, to the insurance company. So lots of times they, they're not fully connected up. So you just need to check everything uh-huh. in advance with the insurance company because then you'll know, for example... We get people being referred to hospitals that they're not fully covered for, particularly to the Blackrock Clinic and the Matter Private in Dublin. Um, and we would always say to people, look, your health insurance is yours to use as you see fit. So, you know, if your doctor, who obviously is going to look after your medical care, but if they refer you to a hospital, you should always check everything with the insurance company just to make sure that that hospital and that procedure and that MRI and everything is fully covered. And to be fair to VHI Leia, and Irish Life, they want you to phone up they want you to check so they can tell you exactly what your cover is. And Fran, all those calls are recorded and they're tagged to your policy. So if there's any dispute, if you were told something is covered and you weren't given correct information, 
the insurance company will basically pay that claim for you. So it's very important you check everything. Um, another listener on to say this year's VHI premium 2,403 uh, for two adults and two teenagers aged 13 and 16. I rang VHI but my plan is apparently only the second one up the ladder so I was afraid to drop down. It's the first care 250 day today plan. Any advice on getting um, uh, on, on this uh, would be much appreciated. So what, what about that? Uh, does yeah, that make sense so to you Dermot? It does. It yeah. does. So here's the thing now. So I don't really have any good news for this member now, Fran, because here's the thing. They are not overspending, believe it or not, even that mm. 2,400. That first care 250 is about 950 right now today per adult. Um, now, VHI have the best rates, I have to say, for young adults aged 18 up to 24. So in fairness to that member, they're not overspending. The, the only issue with that plan, Fran, they need to be careful and look, everybody has to cut their cloth, but that plan only covers about 75% of the bill in major private hospitals. And there's a 40% shortfall on things like hips and knees and shoulders and so on. So they will not get a better deal with the other insurance companies, to be honest with you. And um, really what hopefully they can do in time is as their dependents get older, they might be insured with to an employer and maybe they might move off and take out their, their own cover. But uh, as I know, to my own cost, best of luck with that one. Mm. Um, but no, they're not overspending. They they will not get the exact same cover any cheaper um, than what they're currently paying, I'm afraid. Right, but they'll be paying more, I guess. Well, they that plan is probably going to go up. Look, when I look at the rates right now, we've just looked at some of them. They need to brace themselves for, for more increases depending on the renewal. And the other thing Fran, that a lot of people don't realise is that young adults, so for example... You get a special rate for an 18, 19, 20-year-old. It's the same rate, but you get a special rate. Once they turn 21, then they that goes up by about 15%. And then when they turn 22 and 23, the rate goes up about 15% each year as they get older. And then once they hit 26, they're, they're charged the full adult rate. So the challenge for a lot of families is they want to keep their young adults insured because they can't afford mm. to pay it themselves. Mm. But even apart from these increases, as they get older, it's going to cost the parents more, and then it becomes a challenge. And by the way, anybody listening now who maybe who's with Leia Healthcare or with Irish Life Health, if you have an 18, 19, 20-year-old on, on your policy, look at switching them across to VHI. For example, the company plan plus level 1.3 that I mentioned already, Fran, that plan is only €490 Euro for an 18, 19, 20-year-old. It's an amazing plan, but people are, are with Leia and Irish Life on other plans for their young adults, getting less cover and paying more. So you can split your cover like that. There's no issue whatsoever having the 18-year-old maybe with VHI and keeping the rest of the family um, with Leia or Irish Life Health. And one other snippet, actually, that your listeners may may miss on this. Leia Healthcare right now, during January, well, obviously in February as well, they have a, an offer. If you have three or more children under 18, so any families listening right now, if you have two, three, four children under 18, you can join Leia Healthcare or switch to them. You pay for the eldest child. And then you put the third, second, third, fourth child uh, that's under 18, put them on a plan called Flex 125 Explore. Fran, it's free for the next year. Wow. There's no other deal like that in the market. So somebody, by the way, could be with Leia already paying €300 Euro per child. Put the rest of the children, the second, third and fourth, to that plan, Flex 125 Explore you'll save about €300 Euro per child as well. And as you say, a lot of young people um, continue to be on the, the, the family plan, but if if they move out of the country, Dermot, what, what is the story there? Yeah, now this is, this is where a lot of people get caught out. So health insurance in Ireland is designed primarily to cover you here. Um, you are supposed to be resident in Ireland 
six months in any one year to, to take out BHI layer or Irish Life Health. What happens is a lot, a lot of, let's just say, children, they will go abroad to work, study or travel. If they're out of the country for more than six months, then the local VHI cover or layer or Irish life is no use, okay? Secondly, wow. if you've taken out a kind of an ordinary off-the-shelf travel policy, Brand, those policies normally only cover 45 days. You can buy, pay extra and go up to 90. I know with the VHI multi-trip, you can actually, think, go up to six months with their plan, but you have to pay extra. But if once again, for example, if you have a, a dependent who's in Australia studying or working and they're there for a year, you, the only type of cover that's really going to work for them, the best one is to check out the VHI international cover. Now, it's expensive, but it means they can go directly from the local domestic cover onto international. It will fully cover them in Australia. And then when they come back home, they can switch directly back onto any policy, VHI layer or Irish life with no breaking cover. So that's definitely what people need to check out. Or they can take out one of these backpacker policies. But I can tell you right now, um, there are probably hundreds if not thousands of people who have young adults traveling abroad they think they're covered and they're actually not covered at all so people just need to be very very careful with that one Dermot that's an explosive piece of information to to people like ourselves you know where my son has gone abroad and again we he's on our family policy we thought he was covered but not yeah no it's it's oh and wow. can I tell you now we could do a half an hour on this in that like for example if you're with Irish life health the limited cover abroad on your policy is any one trip up to 31 days. So, for example, if somebody goes to Spain for six weeks, and a lot of people do that now, mm. and they have cover with Irish Life Health, they think they have €100,000 worth of emergency medical cover on their plan. They do, but because the trip exceeds 31 days, they have no cover whatsoever. And then, Fran, if they have bought a travel insurance policy that's linked to the health insurance, the travel insurer assumes they have that 100000 cover, which they actually don't have. So people can find themselves in, in hot water. I mean, if you think healthcare is complex and difficult for Ireland, travel insurance is on a different scale altogether. So I would encourage anybody who's traveling abroad, okay, whether it's a short holiday, business pleasure, or kids traveling extensively, you know, make sure you have that EHIC card for any travel throughout Europe. Make sure you have good health insurance, I'm uh, sorry, good travel insurance. And Fran, you should actually phone up your health insurer and your travel insurer and before any trip, tell them where you're going, how long you're going for, tell them what you might be doing, and get them to explain exactly what's covered, what's not covered, and more importantly, what do I do in the event of a claim? You'll be shocked at some of the, the, the loopholes. You have to pre-register claims and things like that. You know, but anybody who has a child right now who's planning to go to, you know, go to Asia and then on to Australia for a year, which they all seem to be doing at mm. the moment. Mm. Your domestic travel ins or health insurance and even the off-the-shelf travel insurance policies, they are not sufficient. You have not got adequate cover at all. You need to look at either a backpacker policy, I think blue insurances do them, or check out the VHI international policies because that's exactly what they're designed for. But people need to be very, very careful. I have this, I have a daughter in Australia right now, yeah. and that's exactly what we're, what we're basically trying to sort out, because that's, that is that they, they do not have adequate cover on the domestic policies whatsoever. My God, such, such great information, uh, Dermot. Uh, you, your own uh, total health cover, if people want to find out more about this, they can, they can make contact with you, can't they? Uh, you know, Fran, we... we on the on the website, so there's a free policy search there. So each month we would update that to put in exactly what are the best deals in each price yes. range. Um, so that would all be there. Like what I would suggest to anybody, look, we do fee-based reviews for mm. people who, who need yeah. that. But you know what, Fran, what I would say to people, first of all, before you go to 
any broker, before you in- incur any fees, you know, get onto your existing insurance company, first of all, and just challenge them to get you a better deal that fits that budget. So whatever your budget is, that's the only bit of preparation you need to do before you phone them. If your current bill for your family is like that lady said is 2,400 or 3,000, it's probably going to go up to 3,500 from the next renewal. You simply phone a VHI and say, I only have 3,000. There's my plan. They'll have all the details on the system. Now, I want you to come back to me with the closest plan that you can offer that fits 3,000 and not a cent more. And keep them on the phone and listen to what they have to say. And if you don't like what they offer you, you lose nothing by repeating that process with the other insurance companies. Fran, people will tell us they are shocked sometimes to find that they've been overpaying by 500,000 euro maybe for, for 10 years um, or more. Um, so better late than never. But people will have to shop around. I would encourage all of your listeners just don't auto-renew. These increases are too significant. All right, Dermot, uh, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, to Dermot. Bye-bye to you. Dermot, good there. Totalhealthcover.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 0833113311. Now, from today on, many supermarkets will offer consumers a deposit back if they return their used plastic bottles and aluminium uh, cans. The scheme was set up to encourage recycling, I suppose. Now, we've dragged Leanne from the production studio down here to... Uh, uh, explain this to us. Good morning to you, Leanne. Good morning, uh, Frank. As, as usual with stuff like this, I'm kind of confused. Uh, can you give us the background to it and what it involves? Yeah, so the return deposit scheme came into action all across the country today. So the EU have challenged Ireland by 2025 to separate and collect 75% of beverage containers. So at the moment, we're only collecting and separating 60%. So from today on across the country, there'll be new cans and bottles with a little return logo on the corner. So this logo means that once you buy it, you're paying the extra levy fee. So it's about 15 cent for any bottle under 500 millilitres and 25 cent for any can or bottle over. So these bottles then you can bring back into the store once they're not damaged and you will get that deposit back. Right, but basically you've paid that when you bought the product, is that it? So you're not making money on this in any way? No, so you're paying the levy when you buy the product originally. So you will still have the option of buying your normal cans and bottles without the logo. But if you have the logo you can bring it back into the store and they'll give you that deposit back. Now, it'll either be a voucher for the store with that 15 or 25 cent on it, or it will be back in change. All right. Now, if I've been smart over the last few months and if I've gathered up all my plastic bottles and uh, cans as well, and I think I'm going to make a killing on this, I'm not sure I'm not. No, so it's only from today on and they have to have the logo on them. So any cans or bottles you might have collected up to now, they will not work with the scheme. So the vending machines, they're called reverse vending machines, are in the stores from today. You bring it over, you can scan it on it, but the logo has to be picked up. And if they don't have the vending machine, a staff member has to check the can or bottle for the logo. 
Right. Now, if they don't have one of these uh, fancy machines, you can still go back to your local shop with this. Is that, is that the way it is, Leanne? Yeah, so once they're involved in the scheme, you can bring it in and a staff member will have to check the bottle or the can in there and they'll also have to check that you haven't squeezed it and it's not damaged. Right, it can't be damaged in any way. No, so it has to be the original bottle with the logo on it and the label on it and it cannot be dam- damaged. You can't have squeezed it or crunched it up if you threw it into your bag or something. All right. Yeah. Not to be argumentative about this or anything, but I went and I bought my favourite energy drink this morning, but there doesn't appear to be a logo of any kind on that, even though this is the first day of this project. Yeah, so I think, as far as I'm aware, lots of the cans will not have them on it still. So you actually have the option of completely boycotting it and not getting a can with the levy on it, just going about your usual day of bringing it home and putting it into your own bin. Mm. Or you can take part in the scheme, buy the ones with the logos and bring them back in. So from this morning on, it was meant to be pushed across the country. I know some places are still waiting for the machines to be fitted and for some of the products Mm. to come in. But is it a possibility, not that I'm cynical or anything, but that am I paying extra for a can of my favourite energy drink, even if the logo isn't on it? Um, I think the levy is just on the products that have the logo on them. Okay. So people might completely bypass it and just go for their usual. Um, certain shops and retailers across the country are taking part in this. Um, so really... The price mm. you're paying extra dep- depends on the size of the product you're getting and the right. usual price of it plus the new levy on top. Okay, um, but if I decide ah, this isn't for me and I don't mind paying the bit extra, can I go about my recycling the way I would normally have done so? Is that 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 doesn't change in any way, does it? Um, so return the. Uh, company that are overlooking all of this have asked anyone that does buy a can or bottle with the logo on it to please bring it back into the store so not to go about your usual usual recycling routine Okay. so to bring it back into the vending machine or back into the staff Right and what did you say there I get a voucher is it? Yeah so when you go back in I suppose if you've built up a few over time you can get a voucher to be used in store off the products of goods in store or you can get it back in cash Right and as you said at the very top this is another EU directive It is Indeed indeed it is All right, Leanne, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Jenny from uh, Zero Waste uh, Market in Clonmel has been uh, watching this proposal since it was first uh, spoken of as she joins me now. Jenny, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed. How how do you feel about this, Jenny? Is this going to be useful? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, it has been talked about. I mean, it was first talked about in the government in 2003, I think, when they were talking about their Race Against Waste campaign. So it's great to finally see it actually being implemented. And of course, you know, the the, the whole idea behind the scheme is just to increase our, in, our recycling rates. You know, we're currently, as Leanne said there, we're at 60% and the EU have set a target of 77% to be recycled by 2025. So at least it will keep, um, you know, it'll increase our recycling rates, uh, reduce litter. So, you know, it has to be a good thing. And placing a monetary value on these products, like on your plastic bottles and on your aluminium cans, it does incentivize people to do the right thing with them. Because the way it is at the moment, you know, if you're drinking something as you walk down the street, you're just going to pass a bin. There won't be a recycling facility. It'll just go in there and it'll get incinerated or, or put into landfill, neither of which is good. Mm. So at least this way, you know, there's a separate collection. There's no cross-contamination and they will be recycled. So, yeah, it has to be a good thing for sure. And have you any idea, Jenny, how it works? I mean, if you're going into a shop that doesn't have one of these uh, these fancy machines that cost a fortune by all accounts, yeah. do, do you queue up as if you were kind of buying something in the shop? And is, is that the way it works? And you? Yeah, I think that if you don't have a reverse uh, vending machine in your store, they can do a manual take back. That's kind of the way 
I, I gather it. Right. So yeah, you just go to the to the the counter and and they have they'll, they'll have their own way of doing it if they haven't invested because I do believe the cost is is big to get these um, reverse vending vending machines installed. So it'll be beyond the scope of a lot of small um, shops. Not not all shops have to even participate. You know, if you have a retail space that's less than two hundred and fifty square meters, you don't have to um, participate. And well, sure, like my own store anyway, I don't sell anything in plastic anyway, so I'd be completely, um, you know. Right, so this isn't going to affect part. you in any way, Jenny, I suppose, no, is it? No, no, that's the whole reason I set up my store is because, well, I was just, I'm just horrified by the, the overconsumption of plastic and the detrimental effect it has on the environment. And whilst recycling is a good thing, um, we need to actually just stop producing it and, and stop using so much of it and just seek alternatives and reusing is better than recycling in any case, you know, it's better environmentally, so mm. yeah that's the, the reason I set, set the store up, to give people the option to come in and buy their things without packaging. That's yeah, well, I knew we were going to be speaking about this today Jenny, and when I was having my shower this morning, I just looked around the bathroom, there was half a ton of plastic for God's sake there, yeah. was, there must have been 20 or 30 plastic bottles yeah. There. Uh, and yeah. we don't seem to have gotten to grips with this at all, have we? Mm. Well, the, actually, the bathroom is one of the easier places um, uh, to start if you're looking to cut down on plastic. You know, your your shower gels can be re- re- replaced by a bar of soap. Um, you know, you can use solid shampoo bars instead of your ones in, in plastic bottles. If you come into my shop, you can just bring in your existing plastic bottles or mm. whatever bottle you happen to use and refill it. Um, refill it in the store so you're not buying more plastic you're reusing the one that's already in existence and that's what it's all about you know mm. just well, it's th- kind of making it into more of a circular economy thing rather than a linear thing like produce and and then dispose of whereas if you just keep the, the product in existence it's it, it's just better environmentally, you know. Well, I'll bet you find, I mean, obviously you're completely aware about all of this, but something like me, this was the first morning it really got into my head about the amount of plastic in the, in the average bathroom, you know. Yeah. When we don't yeah, think when, about it, I suppose. No, you don't, because it's everywhere. You don't, people don't even see it. But when, once you become aware of it, you can't not see it. Yes, you know? yeah. Then it becomes glaringly obvious, like that we are surrounded in the stuff by the stuff. Uh, and, you know, we produce so much, but we just can't deal with its, its disposal. And, like, for when I, I watched a Netflix documentary called A Plastic Ocean, like, a few yeah, years ago, after it, yeah. that, I was completely mm. horrified by all of this plastic waste in the ocean, you know, harming the animals, harming, the, you know, it com- in microplastics mm. coming into our food chain, you know, harming ourselves. Mm. So you know, and it, even I, even if you have issues with the whole climate change discussion, I mean the yeah. plastic is a whole other thing altogether, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just it's just it's, yeah, it's it's everywhere. And yeah. like I said, if you start to, to notice it, you can't help but not you know you you really take notice of it. And there's easy ways of cutting down on plastic too, you know. Uh, but becoming aware is the first the first step. Sure. All right, Jenny, good to talk to you today and thanks very much indeed. Thank you for joining us. That's Jerry, uh, Jenny of Zero Waste uh, Market. Leanne, you and I were speaking in the office uh, earlier on. This is something you've been kind of conscious of, I suppose, for, for years, isn't it? Yeah, I think especially during COVID when it hit everywhere, the podcast, the shows about 
the impact we really are making on the environment. It's something I decided myself to make a conscious decision to be more aware of my own choices. Mm. And were you surprised? Like I was this morning when I began to notice, I mean, there must have been at least 20 bottles around the bathroom that I really hadn't noticed before, you know? I think it's scary when you look at it that everything we put out there, everything we put into the ocean, be it the products we use, the face scrubs, the bottle, that's all going back into our food cycle. It's going back into our water. It's going back. Everything we do has such an impact on the world around us. And I think that we're here for the time we're here and it's important to make the most of what we have. Mm. You, You mentioned the face scrubs there. I mean, that's a huge issue. Why aren't they banned? I think that people don't actually know the damage that they're doing. Um, I studied a bit when I was in school, the microbeads. And I think that you're using these scrubs thinking they're natural, they're sugars, they're salt, stuff like that. But fishes are eating them. And we're going in then and we're buying tuna or fish or whatever. And you really don't know. Your products are going straight back so in. So they're, they're in the cycle then? of Yeah, they're back in that cycle. And it is plastic. And at the end of the day, we're putting that we might just be flushing it down the sink or down the toilet. That's going into our water stream and that's going back out into the ocean. And we really, I don't think we know enough about what we're using to be able to determine what the consequences will be long term. Wow, you're full of good news this morning, Leanne. Uh, thanks. <laughs> In the meantime, as a horribly young person, the, this notion of, of the money back or a voucher back on bottles and cans, is that a good thing? I don't know. I think it brings up the question that these machines are very extremely expensive and could that money have been used from a younger perspective in college? Now we'll have fill up stations for water so you can actually bring in your own Stanley Cup and you can fill up the water. And I think that maybe rather than I think a lot of people would rather than get their 15 or 25 cents back, actually be able to bring their own water bottle in somewhere and just stop off and fill it up because then you don't have the guilt of buying a plastic bottle. And I don't think anyone at my age especially is going to worry about the 10, 15 cents. They'll probably just bring it home and recycle it themselves anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, this whole thing as well about the, the, the coffee cups and uh, the huge issue around coffee cups and the lids on, on them. I mean, I tried for a while. I had my own cup and then sure, you know, it was dirty and I didn't bother. But the majority of people, I can't remember remember the last time I saw a person with an actual, with their own coffee cup going in for coffee. So that, that that news doesn't seem to be working either. No, now I did see in certain shops at the moment there is a discount. You get 20% off if you bring in your own cup with you. Do you? But I think that people, like you, you fill it up and you take it out to the car and it lives in the car for about a week then I and know. you forget to bring it in and wash it. So I think Plus it, there's mould in it. And yeah, and the germs. <laughs> I think it's just so, everything is so convenient, especially when you're on an on-the-go lifestyle. It's so easy to run into the shop I and know. fill up a cup and throw it out afterwards. Um, I think that these things do help. Like I did see a massive upbreak, upbringing myself. Um, I'd actually start to bring in my own cup because with the cost of coffee gone up so much, four euro for a coffee, 20% off if I bring my own cup, I'm probably going to do it like. Yes, there's an older gentleman that I know and he is just aghast at the notion that we all go in and pay three fifty four, four fifty for a coffee where at home we can make it like for 10 cent or 5 cent or something like that. But anyway, uh, Leanne, thanks very much indeed. If you want to talk to Leanne, by the way, you can do so on that free phone number 1800 25 minutes past 10 right now. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
Now, you're very welcome back. Uh, Councillor David Dunn was on to say it's a bottle deposit scheme a day. So many questions. Are alcohol bottles and cans included? No. Our understanding is that alcohol is not included. Ketchup, brown sauce bottles included? I don't know. I'm just looking through uh, what we have here. There seems to be a lot of ambiguity on some of this, to be honest with you, Davy, And uh, Davy also wondering, can I use my bottles from yesterday only if they have that logo on them? And uh, as I say, I bought uh, a product this morning that doesn't have the logo on it. So there you go. Uh, Davy says, why am I making this difficult? Will the effect... Will this affect the cost of recycling with the bin companies as they will have less revenue from the lack of products they get to recycle? That's an interesting point. I don't know. I don't know. James says it's an expensive, idiotic uh, tax-generating system, uh, but hidden behind the green recycling banner, it's completely foolish, says James, who's not mincing his words uh, this morning. Um, Brian says, as a participant in the annual spring cleanup of public spaces and road verges, Uh, I'll text you with an update as to whether this recycling scheme is working or not. To be honest, people who litter probably won't care, says Brian. Uh, Somebody else saying, Fran, this extra charge on plastic bottles and aluminium cans, another taxation. Why do households have bins for recycling and pay €400 a year to have it sitting in the backyard? Semi-redundant, says uh, Pat, who is in Ross Gray today. Uh, somebody saying, I just got charged 25 cent extra on a bottle of orange in um, an outlet in Carrick and Shore, it says here. Well, if it has the logo on it, if you bring it back, you'll get your 25 cent back. That's my understanding, anyway. Um, down your ways, you know. I make it clear every single week is one of my favourite programmes on the dial. Um, Eamon, Eamon O'Dwyer was in Art Finnan for this week's Down Your Way programme. Special show from the GAA grounds in Art Finnan in honour of the great Petey Savage. So let's bring you a piece from that uh, right now. How are you doing, Petey? They might, they might see you up here. You might, you might come up here. You're too small, am I? Oh, dude, what are you talking about? It's terrific. Listen, great to be here and uh, celebrating your life story for the most part. Oh, well, I'm delighted. I'm delighted with the turnout and I'm delighted with the Finn's pest and I'm Delighted with the lads that came a long ways, like Seamus and Babs and Mick Burns and all. They came a long ways, like, and to be here, and I have some friends. I have a lot of good few enemies, too, but, <laughs> but, but I made a lot of them in my time, but all my friends are here tonight. That's, that's the main thing. You made a few enemies on the field, did you? I didn't make them off with none of them, but sure, that's the way, that's, <laughs> what, the, that's yeah. what it's all about, isn't it? The lads were telling me you were a hardy cracker in the field in your day, were you? I, I was playing with a good team. I was a small cog in a good, long, big wheel. But we had great times. I loved every minute. I'd love to do it all, all over again. Can't be done. I can't be done, of course, but it's fantastic to relive the memories. Ah, yeah, it is grand, yeah. I can go, um, uh, there are lots of the fellows of people I played with now, a lot of the team, four team are dead and gone. Mm-hmm. And there were some great clubmen and some great players, but that's the way time marches on. I think they had a powerful club. Ah, uh, I think this was a great club. I, I, I can remember the old pe- people in this club, or the way they, were, they carried in their back for bad years, had some bad years, like. It took us a long time to, to come back from, to win a county in the first one, but I, I have a simple attitude here. We, uh, we got where we were. In, 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 up in the 50s on, they had good teams here, but they couldn't get over the line. But we had a good team in the 60s on. But we had one team going for us that other clubs hadn't. We had the best forward in Ireland, blameless. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's, I have no idea. I never made a secret of that. I wouldn't have any in the middle of the for that man. No problem saying that. And I'd say it openly. 
It was, a, it was the one clink that came in our team. He came here at 16 and a half year old. We started to win mine on the 21. The next team we won't see now. He could play three matches in one day. They can't play one now, some of them. His loyalty to the club was, was on, on, on bad of it. You couldn't bear him. He was so loyal. That's what I found about him, loyal. I had two experiences. I remember we, he, he lost his third minor Holland in a row. And, and I was involved in the minor team. We were playing the South final the Wednesday night and he went back on Monday. They lost his third Holland. He went back on Monday and they were ringing. Oh, he, I said, he never left this town. He'll be back. Went back on Tuesday. Wednesday, no one signed him. And we went, went into Clamell. He was sitting up in the, in, the, in the hospital ward. I think he scored 2 12 in the final and nearly won it. <laughs> that's, that's the man I'm talking about. Serious man. Serious, serious, serious man. Never mind for the club, for the county as well. Oh, for the county, sure, he done it at both. Best youth player probably that the county ever produced. Mm. No doubt about that. Mm. He done it for the team. But the one thing that will be said for him, and a lot of his friends in the football world will say, he never left down the footballers. He, when he was with him, he was with him. They can't play now half an hour. They must make up their mind at f- under 15 to know when they'd only play one or the other. Yeah. You ever hear the bears were telling the young fellow at 15 that you, must play, you can only play Holland or you can't play football? Mm-hmm. I never heard the bears in all my life. I suppose there's a lot of changes in the GA over the past 50 years. Oh, yeah, there. Can't you, see the, can't you see the way the game has gone? Yeah. Sure, didn't they, wasn't football in the game. Sure, they don't, the crowd has shut down that committee and said it's going well. You couldn't watch a game of football now, hardly. He kick it out the goal, he'd come out he'd the foul line. Imagine John Mack coming up in our time, he wouldn't, <laughs> he, he wouldn't get beyond the 14. That's a fact. That's a fact. What happened there? He'd been up three or four times, then he'd for he, he wouldn't be both tapping the ball around. Sure, they're passionate, I don't know. They, if the big centre field and the great centre field and the long over playing out today, they get no kick. That should never go out to him. Who's making all these rules today? Oh, yeah, so they went to America for a president, and that enough. <laughs> you know nothing about the game at all. Why <laughs> fellas like yourself and Babs and all of those lads that made a huge contribution to the GA, did, you don't have a chance of making those decisions? Oh, God, we were in a position to make a few in the time, but you made out we didn't make the right ones. I don't know, but, yeah. but I mean, I, I, I loved the game. I loved, I loved football. Football was my game. I loved it. But I followed both games and I played a bit. I wasn't much good at, at, at the whole one, but I put some handy enough at the football. But, man, the changes, so they're, they're, the, the game is ruined. I, I honestly think the game of football is ruined. I honestly believe it. Well, the hand pass and all of that. I just kicked it out to the goalie and, and, and I watched the match lately and I finished my eyes together. But my man kicked it out to the corner back. The corner back went in the shoulder run. And all the fo- any forward didn't take, take him on. They went off up the field to be waiting for him when he come up. <laughs> Jeez, I never saw the picture. That's not football. Tell me, you won every honour in the game from, from, from your juvenile up. Huh? You won every honour. I didn't win any underage. Didn't you? No. We weren't good enough. Okay. We couldn't beat the team. We won it after though. But I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things that that made me so keen to to succeed if I could. I was I, I started work at fourteen, the same as most people did at that time. I got a, 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 an invitation to go for a football trial, minor in Cashel. It was like all my dreams came true that I was getting a trial. I got off a half day's work in case I'd be late. And we played above in Cashel, and there was a storm blowing on the field. I didn't start the toilet, they put me in corner for the second half again the breeze and the ball never came up. 
and that, and that was my contribution in football. <laughs> and the second thing happened, it happened in 1962 when we won our first county. It was like the dream coming true for me. It was basically given at me. We were taken forward, you know, fish, the county board came in. He said, you have to get off. The B game is about to start. <laughs> they were hurling match starting. So I, I never forgot any of them two things. It made me determined. Whatever I do, I try and do, make it go of it. Isn't that fantastic? Uh, that's the great Petey Savage uh, speaking to uh, Eamon O'Dwyer there. And uh, that's a little portion of this week's Down Your Way programme. You can hear it on Saturday morning from 10 o'clock, but it sounds really, really funny and witty and amusing from the uh, GA grounds in Art Finland there. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be speaking to uh, Tony Allen. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com yeah, We're getting lots and lots in, lots of confusion out there about this whole business of getting your deposit back on your cans and uh, your bottles and uh, the like. A shop worker was in touch with us to say that as far as uh, he or she uh, understands, uh, once old stock is sold out, the next step will be to introduce the logo on all products meeting that particular uh, criteria. So even though today is day one of this new initiative, it could be some time before it's uh, in proper operation. Anyway, on to something completely different. He may be known as one of... uh, uh, one half, indeed, of the most successful musical duo that uh, Ireland has ever produced. Uh, Tony Allen of Foster and Allen has released his first uh, solo uh, album in almost 50 years. He's appearing in uh, Brew Brew with a brace of others on Saturday night, but he joins me now. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well. Indeed. Why Why did it take you 50 years, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very slow about it. Well, I'll tell you how it all. I would probably never have touched a solo album at all because, uh, but during lockdown, we weren't doing that. We were basically kind of off the road. And I was chatting to Seamus Cullinan in the studio, and Seamus says, What are we going to be? Well, we did record a lot of stuff for Foster and Allen as well. But yeah. I said, I said, Well, there's a lot of stuff I said here, Seamus, that we have that we. That's never going to make it to a, a Foster and Allen CD. And uh, I said, why well, maybe we we do something, I do something on me. Because Mick had already done a good bit of stuff and he's on yeah. traditional stuff and uh, and things like that, you know. So it was was I wasn't a problem with the with the record company or anything like that. So we started and then I, I rang Jared Dornan, you know, Jared Country Harmony. Jared sure. yeah. wrote Your Health is Your Wealth. And uh, I, I did that song with him in his studio and then Myself and Seamus started working on it. It went on and on. And then, as we as we started the album, uh, a, a company decided to, to do a, a kind of a documentary, which we did about about younger acts and and that we with Foster and Allen. We that came out in RTE. Uh, and while we were doing that, then we had to sort of stop the the, the Tony Allen project. Yeah. So yeah. it took it took it took three or four years. We got it just finished. Yeah, before Christmas there, but uh, and uh, did it give you an opportunity, Tony? Because you you have a very wide taste of music. I know from chatting to you yeah. over the years. Did it give you a chance to do and record music that maybe Foster and Allen wouldn't have recorded, if you know what I mean? Well, that's yeah, that's kind of it. You know that that we would like. I did. Oh yeah, I did a good few things like that. You know that 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 wouldn't, as I said, it never would have made it to a Foster and Allen album. But it meant that we could just go in and 
And, uh, you know, whatever we wanted to do, just do it, because there was no... Mm. There was no guidelines or no or no ties as to where we could stop, you know. But uh, um, yeah, and then I was talking to Derek. Derek Ryan wrote a, a song for it, and um, um, and we got a few new songs, yeah, which was nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, no, I was really happy, and I got it out then. And we didn't release it in shops yet, but uh, we took it on the tour because we're on tour at the moment, and. Uh, it's it's selling at, at the gigs anyway, so is it, somebody is it likes right. it. And of course, you you are well. I can understand why a lot of people would like it. Um, you are currently, I think, are you just about to finish up uh, the this year's tour? Uh, with, with well, we, we 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 we've we've t- it's in two different legs. We we a couple of years ago we decided that to go down to Cork and Kerry and and that that we would leave that in March in case of bad weather and yes, stuff like yeah. that. And, it's not that the weather would be any worse down there, but it meant that we'd have to travel down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. we we have we finished there on on Tuesday night, and then now we're doing the gig with you on on, on Saturday, and then we're back uh, back then. I think it's, the, uh, it's about the uh, the sixth of March. We're back in Capaquin. Uh, we have Capaquin, uh, Ross Carberry, Killarney, Bantry. And the Vienna Woods and Cork, and then we're doing uh, another gig in Galway and, and Castlebar, and that's it. Then we're we're finished on on the the fifteenth of March in, in Castlebar, so we probably won't be back on the road then doing anything with Foster Man until till uh, probably October, November. We do the UK, and that's the other thing we've we've cut back a good bit with Foster Man. We're not going, we're not doing Australia, or New Zealand, or or Canada. Mm. Right? Like we did, I think we did twenty one trips around Australia. Wow. So I think that. They've had enough of us. Uh, I, d- I doubt that very much. Is, <laughs> is, is it next year that you're 50 years on the road, is it? Yeah, indeed, yeah. Wow. Next year, yeah. Wow, yeah, 50 years, really, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same job, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and to still get on so well after the 50 years uh, like, is, oh. is incredible. Ah, we, we get on. We, we never had an argument in the 50 years that we were. In fact, we've worked together longer. We've been working together uh, probably over six years with different bands and groups yeah. and that, but that's awesome now and it's 50 years. So that's the other thing now. We start on um, Peter Peter Casty, who st- looks after us, and yeah. we're still with CMR Records since 1979, so that's uh-huh. not too bad either, I suppose. You know, they, they want a new album for, for the end of this year to go into the 50 years, you know, so, so we're back in the studio and fairly are, soon. Are you but, constantly listening to stuff, Tony? Um, all, yeah, I, I get... Yeah. How, how, many how, how many albums have there been? How many albums have there been over the years? There must have been. Uh, I'm not. Well, I'd say we've we've recorded the goods of a thousand tracks now at this stage. Wow. You know? wow. So I know. See, so we wouldn't many albums because a lot of the albums have some of them had a hundred tracks on them. You know, so yeah. they, they they used up a lot of stuff. But uh, no, we're always. And the one great thing about Donny and Peter is that they're always saying, "Oh, win and record, win and record." You know. Yeah. Uh, so if it does end, they'll have stuff to bring out anyway afterwards. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, we're always. I'm always listening. Yeah, well, of course, living with Trina here is is a bit the same because she's always listening to stuff as well. You know, she'd be a little bit more, and uh, well, not advanced, but she she'd listen to a lot broader stuff than I would. You yes, know. that's your lovely wife, Trina. Well, she has a lovely solo album herself, which is absolutely. She gorgeous. has indeed. Yeah. yeah, she took it out a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Good to all the time. So the stuff around you all the time. You, do you still get a kick out of the live gig, uh, Tony? Oh, it's, I love it. Ah, yeah, there's yeah. nothing like nothing like a live gig. Uh, you know, we did the Opera House the other night. It was full and it was absolutely probably the best gig you'll ever do in mm. anywhere in the world. It's Belfast Opera House. They're just an amazing audience. And no, it is. And uh, it is. It's wonderful. And 
what what we're doing on Saturday night. I love that as well because that's a whole, you know, it's it's a it's a bit of a challenge to get up and do something on your own, and, and also uh, you're working with with other musicians, and that's yeah. nice too. You know, I mean, the country is absolutely full of fantastic musicians at the moment. You know, every every act is out there is good at the moment. You know, everywhere you go, do something for for somebody. Everybody puts a lot of work into it, and that's great, you know. Yeah, I was I was making the point on on really you're you're with myself and Muriel on Saturday night, as you say, at Brew Brew in Cashel, along yeah. with uh, Michael Collins is there and Gabe Brazel and Young Larkin Kennedy, and of course T R Dallas, Tom Allen, your yep. your 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 brother. Have you shared the stage with Tom very many times over the years? Too not 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 that often. No, no, not that often at all. We, uh, well, we, he did support with us uh, a few times in, in the UK and that, but no, and very seldom actually because. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. It's just the way it worked out. <laughs> <Yes. you know? laughs> well, it'd be interesting to see that dynamic on on Saturday night as well. And yeah. and of course, the whole family were musical. And sadly, you lost your brother Jack. And many people would have known Jack yeah. from Alan Dale over the years. That's just right, just a couple yeah. of weeks ago, Tony. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, it's it's amazing. Like of all the Alan, Jack would be the most popular on the Midlands for sure. You know, but he was he was an amazing man because whatever he went to go do. He made it work. He started out as a young man serving his time as a mechanic. And the minute he had his time served, he went to work in Dublin with Blackwood Hodge, which was a big uh, digger, making diggers and that. And he travelled the country fixing them. And then he started, he played football for four, nearly 40 years, you know. And he played music. He was, you know, with Alan there. He was he was on the road day yeah. and night for a long yeah. time. And even he joined the choir then. He was 40 years, I think, in the choir and with, with his own girls. He had these four girls in the choir. So, yeah, and, um, you know, unfortunately, he got uh, motor neurons, which is not a, a nice, not a nice thing. But, uh, yeah. and he was he was a character as well. And he loved a few pints. And he used to, I, I always used to play cards on uh, Christmas, you know, and he'd be fairly vocal. So, so yeah. lovely, lovely memories of him. Even though oh, it, it, it was difficult for him yeah. in the in, in the latter time. Ah, for, yeah, for sure. Very yeah, for the whole family. But that's that's nice. I, and of course, we lost Kevin. Yeah, of course. Of course, yes, yeah. he did indeed. Yeah, God, oh, here, yeah. Um, do you know another thing I admire about you, Tony, is that you you you, you work with younger people and you try and bring them along. You're working with young Brandon McVie from Scotland, which a fantastic artist altogether, isn't he? Yeah, Brandon's brilliant. I did a few dates in England with them last year, and uh, they run a, a weekend in Aberdeen, and I've done it twice with them. And it is it's great, you know. Again, great musicians. He's a serious accordion player, mm. a serious singer as well, you know. So he's got. And a load of talent, yeah, and and I enjoy that, you know, because again, it well, it's a certain amount of pressure, but it eliminates a lot of other pressure that you have when you're on the road and across the island. But I love working with the boys, yeah, absolutely great, yeah. Mm. Yeah, hope to do a few more things with them. Yeah. You mentioned COVID, and of course, you you made yeah. good use of it because you were recording with with Mick and indeed the solo record uh, as well. But I I reckon myself it has damaged the business, and I'm wondering will it come back from that, Tony? Well, it has damaged the business, uh, and and it seems to be coming back now. And my men, we find it's coming back very strong again. But I think it probably will. It'll come back, or it'll come back definitely. But I think the whole thing will change a lot. You're going to lose um, an area of the business, maybe. You know, I think social dancing will come back pretty good. But uh, the ordinary dancing, like that, that that people went to, will probably 
maybe suffer a bit, you know, concerts yeah. will come back, I suppose, but there probably won't be as many things happening as was, you know, before, which is a bit of a shame, but um, well, of course, you know, as we're talking about making CDs now, nobody has anywhere to play a CD that's, anymore. That's the trouble, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> a huge issue. The amount of people that say, oh, I got your CD, but I can't play it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the, all the new cars, the yeah, all oh, the new yeah. cars don't have CD players, so no, of course there is No, it's gas, yeah, and uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of people aren't going to be able to, to sort of yeah. tune them into the, to the stick or whatever it is that they use, you know. But look, there's always been ups and downs, I suppose, in the business. And, you know, we, we thought when, when RT stopped playing music years ago, they would all die, but it didn't, you know. Yeah. It's still, you know, we still have, have lots of things happening. Yeah, and of course, all your shows are still going out on TG Card. Do you, is that a huge benefit to, to you, Tony? Um, absolutely. That yeah. was absolute. I mean, this tour is probably been the best tour we've ever done maybe in Ireland and it is due to T.G. Cahar showed last year they showed our TV shows kind of after Christmas but this year they showed them before Christmas and that was a huge huge help for the for the market because people kind of bought the tickets for their parents or their aunts or their uncles or whatever as Christmas presents which was is a huge market now as well you'll notice now that an awful lot of People are touring uh, concert tours in January, which has been years ago. Nobody's all went out in January. Of course, yeah. but now it, 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 it seems to be changing. I know, yeah. The TV shows are are a huge help, yeah. And that's the other thing about Team Ardoni and Peter, like that. That when we did when we do a series, that they, they put everything into it. You know, we did the last one we did was in the distillery in Kilbegan, and it was absolutely mm. brilliant. It was great to be there and work. Yeah, it, it always strikes me that CMR and of course the Donny you're referring to is the great Donny Cassidy. But uh, yeah. CMR, they they still work alongside the artists, which very oh, yeah. few record Absolutely. companies are doing that now. And they, you know, yeah. they back up the artists and they work in tandem with the live tours, and which is so important, isn't it? Of course, yeah. And like as I just said, like Ireland is not a very big market, so you you can't afford to have your record company in one city talking one way and, and you're tour agent in another yeah, city when yeah. we work with the boys Peter does everything he looks after the recordings looks after radio and TV and, and looks after the tour so he knows exactly what's happening and he does England and Ireland for us so it's a, you know it's, it's good now the only setback is that in England they do a deal with Demon Records who bring our stuff out in, uh, in England now, mm. they they tend to think a little bit different about recording when it comes you know they want stuff that that the English people will recognise. And that, that's fine too, you know. So you just have to work all that out. And that was the other thing, like, that um, when I was doing my own album, I didn't have to... Let the, no, it didn't matter because I didn't have to, uh, to agree with any of them, but that was fine because I was only doing a, a solo album. But if you were doing something that, that these guys are going to get on... Uh, television and radio in the UK, yes. you kind of have to listen to them, you know. So that's it's, it's a very interesting, is it, Tony? I'm looking forward to working with you on on Saturday That'd be night. Great. So really, great. really looking yeah. forward to it. And uh, you look after yourself in the meantime, Tony. And my best to lovely I, Trina as well. Yeah, thank well, of you. Course, yeah, thank take you. Care. We'll see you on Saturday night. Oh, thank I look you forward. To it. Thanks, bye. Tony. Bye bye, Janans. Okay, Tony Allen there, Foster and Allen, and he's appearing uh, along with myself and Muriel and Michael Collins and Gay Brazil and T.R. Dallas and young Larkin Kennedy as well, 14 year old Larkin will be with us on the, at the night as well. I think there's still some tickets for that. It's 0626112122. From Tony's uh, brand new album, this was the single. I, your health is your wealth. Now don't you forget it. These are the words my friend. 
mother told me Back when I was a lad Such a long time ago Your health is your wealth Now I'm telling you so It don't matter how rich With money you are Or if you drive around In a big fancy car If you're the lord of the manor Or the belle of the ball If you haven't your health Sure you've nothing at all And your health is your wealth Now don't you forget it These are the words My father told me Back when I was a lad Such a long time ago Your health is your wealth Now I'm telling you so your soul But the one thing that will help you along every day is to stop for a moment and kneel down and pray Ah, your health is your wealth Now don't you forget it These are the words my father told me Back when I was a lad Such a long time ago Your health is your wealth Now I'm telling you so I, your health is your wealth Now don't you forget it These are the words my father told me Back when I was a lad Such a long time ago Your health is your wealth Now I'm telling you so Back when I was a lad Such a long time ago Your health is your wealth Now I'm telling you so That's uh, the great Tony Allen of Foster and Allen, and that's Your Health Is Your Wealth, and uh, that's the single from the new album, and uh, I'm sure he'll have some copies of that on uh, Saturday night. As I say, he's appearing there along with uh, his brother T.R. Dallas and Gabe Brazel and uh, Larkin Kennedy and Michael Collins and myself and Muriel as well. Um, and uh, if you want some tickets for that, I understand there's some left, so it's 62 um, keep your calls coming into us, uh, 083 311 um, My special mum and dad, they loved Foster and Alan, and my, sa- my dad sang a bunch of time at a wedding uh, years ago, and uh, brilliant singers, as one of our listeners there. Um, somebody else saying, Fran, when I hear any discussion about uh, the biggest microplastic source entering groundwater and rivers, uh, tyre fragments. Yes, tyres are made from a type of plastic and millions of them are shredded into microplastic fragments every single year and directed through gullies and drains into every river and stream in the country, says Brian. I didn't know that, Brian. I didn't know that indeed. A lot of people giving out about this new initiative where you're paying uh, more money for your bottle of orange or your 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 thing of milk or whatever and uh, then hoping to get it back when you present yourself at the store again. A lot, a lot of people curious about it, confused about it and stuff and we're a little confused ourselves but as we learn more we will bring it to you. News and information is coming up. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. 1800-938-007 is our free phone number. All right, it's time for our health slot. and glad to be joined, as usual, on a Thursday by uh, Muriel Cuddy, who's CEO of Marito 8020 in Clonmel. Happy St. Bridget's Day and all yes, of that. Yes, yes, I've said that to a few people this morning. Yeah. Did you put out a scarf last night? I didn't, and my friend Jody got on to me last night and reminded me, and I still forgot. Yeah, and we could do it, because all of those colds and whatever that are flying around, that scarf. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're supposed to, aren't you, wrap it and... Seemingly yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah. I didn't do it, of course, which is why I sound like I do today. And uh, you, you say you have a bit... You're sniffing. Yeah, do you know, the minute the mic so. was put in front of me, I feel like I'm going to start coughing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, but my immune system's gone down again. I, I'm so annoyed because this normally doesn't happen to me. And, like, yes. you're only running on half empty like literally when you feel like this but you see if you had a couple of energy drinks and some of those sausage rolls from, from that garage in Limerick you'd be fine if I put on a little weight and done all of that kind of thing I'd be times you'd be better. absolutely fine that's, that's, are yeah. you seeing a lot of these uh, viral type things oh yeah totally yeah and you know it's, it's your immune system when it goes down and you know I said to you I don't know where it's coming from yes I do I haven't minded myself in the last couple of weeks I haven't had time to go to the gym I haven't had time to prep and do the food and all of that kind of thing properly so I know my so you see an immediate reaction there? Well, I normally to, don't to get that. sick, but this month we have been really, really busy and there's been so much going on, like work after work, all of that kind of thing. So yeah. I have literally, and I know I've been running on empty, like I literally fall into bed at half nine at night. I'm up in the morning, I'm gone again. I have to do the gym. I have to have my breakfast. I have to do those things. So yeah, look, Isn't this is the result of it. Yeah. Isn't it very interesting yeah. indeed? You're going to talk to us today about hunger. And what did you say to me? Hangry? Yes, angry. And I'm going to ask you, like, how do you know when you're hungry? Uh, my tummy begins to sort of growl. How often does that happen in your world? Oh, God, all the time. <laughs> but that's not hungry, because you can't be hungry all the time. Well, so, like, we can actually, the body can run for two to three months with no food. can only run for a week with no water. Right. But, like, so how do we actually know we're hungry? Well, like... But you know that feeling that you get. When yeah, you're... but is that feeling hunger? Like, have you actually this is left getting your... very philosophical yeah. now. Yes. Have you actually left your body go for four hours without food? Yes. Yeah. So then you possibly are hungry. Right. But you have to leave your body go for four to five hours before you get that stomach empty feeling, uh, mm. growling, rumbling, all of that. Well, and... I did have a Twix bar at about half seven. But that's only sugar cravings. Like that's only when your blood sugars. But and that's we'll why in... I'm, I'm starving. We'll now. go into that piece in a minute. Yes. But you're starving because you've eaten nothing. I like know. you've only eaten complete rubbish. But like, it's the hungry thing is in like the adrenaline hormone is the hunger hormone. We don't know anymore. Like people come into me and I tell them like it's three meals a day or we we do their blood sugars or we're doing their bloods or whatever it is. And we say to them, you have to fast for four hours. We go into companies and we do company screens and we say to them, you have to fast for four to six hours before you take your bloods. And people nearly die and they're like, I I can't eat for four hours or I can't eat for six hours. I'm like, you're not going to die. You can actually last for a day, a week, a month, two months, three months without eating. 
And you know, like the kids, like yes. every hour, I'm hungry, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. We have no idea in the Western world what it's like. Most people, now there is an element to society, yes, of course they know what it's like to be hungry. You and me have no idea what it's like to be hungry in today's well, what world. What are we feeling then? What, what well, like, we... if you know if you get the lightheadedness and the faint, fainting and all of that, you're not able to focus and concentrate, and maybe you've gone five or six hours without food, then you're hungry then it's time to actually eat something decent. But the other side of it, like, is you remember we were young, finish your plate, mm, like all of yeah, this kind of thing, yeah. eat on, eat every single thing, and you'd go from being hungry, so you, you'd wait outside until you were called in for your dinner, and you, you knew what it was like to be hungry. Mm. And when you came in, you ate until you were overfull, or, or until mm. you were bursting, and you had to eat every single thing that was on your plate until your plate was empty or whatever. We Back then, everything was good, as in... What we took in, because we were hungry, we had good guts and we were able to absorb it all. Mm. And our body was able to run really well and we didn't have all these coughs and colds or whatever. Now, because we don't know what hunger is, like, you, you can be just bored. It can be a habit. It can be the emotional eating eat side. It can be stress. It can be loneliness, overtired. It sparks the same horm- hormones, overtired or the stress piece or whatever. Um, it can be just all of that, the malabsorption, the malnourishment. Alcohol stimulates your appetite. It can be so many different mm. things. And, you know, if you drink alcohol... Um, He's looking at me like sideways here, mm. guys. Um, you actually eat 30% more. Do you? As a rule, yeah, yeah, yeah. So people that don't eat al- or drink alcohol, most of the time they don't have the same weight issues as what people that drink alcohol have. And that's you, one of the You things. told me one time as well, Muriel, quite some time ago, that sometimes a feeling of hunger is actually when you're dehydrated and when you're thirsty. Well, that's one of the huge things. Like, And can I just run through the different things here, right? So if you're hungry, and, and even hungry goes into the sugar craving side, right? Mm. So the two kind of go hand in hand together, right? The causes of sugar craving, come from say maybe that hunger piece or whatever so like stress is one of the big things that makes you crave the wrong foods you know and we're hungry we crave the wrong foods a lot of the time right cortisol drips into our gut and that like nullifies good bacteria and all of that like that's one piece of it nutrient deficiency and that's a massive thing that I'm seeing lately like every single day deficiency in chromium magnesium so magnesium your depression anxiety piece if, if your low serotonin levels all come from not having enough magnesium women most especially need to take magnesium every day if they're not getting it through their diet. Chromium helps to regulate your blood sugars. So that helps stabilise. So if you do crave a lot of uh, sugar, take a chromium supplement or eat more protein. Mm. You can get it from mm. that. B vitamins, they curb your cravings. Zinc, which drives down inflammation in the body, that's for your metabolism. So to stabilise your metabolism, that's for low energy and it's also for the digestion of food. They're simple ones I talk about every day. Zinc, magnesium, um, B deficiency mm. and chromium. Very simple ones, right? The other thing is, if you skip meals, well then your body thinks you're trying to conserve calories. So it's going to drop your blood sugar levels. So you're going to crave more sugar in the long run. So even with the intermittent fasting, unless you can really apply yourself and decide, right, I'm able to do this. You will overeat in the long run because at the end of the day, even though I hate talking about calories, our world is calories in versus calories out. Mm. So if we take more in than we burn off in whatever form you're going to um, retain weight or you're going to put on weight. And it's funny because one of the pieces I'm actually seeing is the visceral fat more than even the body fat. Just just explain visceral fat. So the visceral fat is literally internally. So it's wrapped around your stomach and your internal organs. So I'm finding that that's a lot higher in most people than what it would have been even two or three years ago. And I think that again is kind of the post-COVID thing. And could that be the case with people who don't look 
to be overweight. Oh yeah, if totally, you know what I mean. totally. Yeah. Like if you have an ultra processed like carbohydrate diet, uh, saturated fat, things like that, you'll see higher levels of visceral fat. Mm. And if you see higher than normal levels of visceral fat, you'll know somebody has like their their cholesterol levels will be gone in the wrong direction. Pro- their liver profile, there'll probably be issues with it, whatever you know. So that's a simple enough one for us to pinpoint. Mm. But it's a really hard one to change. So you really have to get your diet back in line. You have to get your gut back performing properly for your metabolism to switch on again. So you'll have people coming to us with issues like um, they can't lose weight. They're constantly tired. You mm. know, like all the different ones, like the anxiety, depression, the ones I talk about all the time. A new one even that I'm finding lately, chills. You can't get warm, especially in this weather. Or involuntary shaking, like that you actually feel at certain times of the day that your body just isn't isn't um, normal. Like mm. say the anxiety side is coming out in that. And then the other ones, like the muscle aches and pains, the headaches, all of that. That's That's all part of the same the same piece but if your vis- visceral fat levels are high your body is starting to shut down you know and that doesn't matter what size you are you've got to get to the bottom of that it's interesting if you do have your three meals a day or whatever it is you shouldn't feel hungry then you, you shouldn't be hungry is that you it? you see it depends on the foods that you have right and it depends even at the time of the day you eat so if you eat more sugar even in the evening time so like if you're eating less and then in the evening time you decide right, I'm, I'm craving more sugar that affects your sleep so if it affects your sleep, you're going to crave more sugar the next day because your blood sugars are zigzagging out of control and that you wake at night, you know, so you're in intermittent sleep. You wake at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and then you've intermittent sleep until 5 or 6 o'clock. You wake up banjaxed at 6 o'clock uh, and mm. then you get up. You're ready to sleep for the day, but you get up. But then you're going to start doing the wrong things again. And, you know, um, sugar uses a lot of magnesium, which people don't realise. So if you're deficient in magnesium, then that's going to affect your sleep. And you'll have restless legs and you'll have things like that, you know. So I talk about it all the time, mm. right? We need three stable meals a day. That's one of the things. So we need to know when we're hungry. So you should have your breakfast in the morning. You have to leave your body go for those three, four or five hours. So your gut gets a chance to rest, reset and replenish kind of thing. It has to be able to do mm. what it needs to do. All your body bits and pieces, your liver, everything just needs a chance, right? Then you eat your lunch. And you know, even in your evening meal, people say to me like, so you leave your four or five hours, have your dinner in the evening time. But if you're looking for a snack even before you go to bed, the best snack um, that actually brings the body down. So something like turkey has triophatin in it. It's like a dopamine enhancer. So that brings the body down, that it helps relax. A whole grain bread, so like your McCambridge bread or whatever, that's your fibre piece. So that's going to stabilise the blood sugars. It'll sweep out the system overnight so you'll go to the toilet in the morning. Mm -hmm. And something like lettuce. So lettuce is like a serotonin piece. So a a turkey and lettuce lettuce sandwich an hour before bed won't do you any harm at all. Wow. Yeah. The other thing is Weetabix. I always talk about Weetabix. But something as simple as that, if you can stay away from sugar, it takes three to ten days to quit sugar. Mm. It takes um, up to, I suppose, about a month for it to be gone out of your system completely. Okay, mm. so that's really important to and know. And what can you expect in that transition period? I mean, you're going to feel miserable. Well, you right? feel, you'll the, the, all for the first, say, the three to ten days, the, the depression piece, all of that piece will be there, right? But if you think of it this way, so you know people that are even being medicated for anxiety and all of that, that mm. and you feel really, really anxious. Men have a greater risk of depression from sugar. So if men eat more than 40 grams of sugar a day, the risk of, of depression just enhances massively. Wow. And that's World Health Org- Org- Organization um, uh, research piece. Men need about nine tablespoons. They can, the maximum they can have a day is about nine teaspoons of sugar, right? 36 grams. So four grams more than that puts them then on the page for depression, right? Men are having about 90 to 100 grams as a norm every day. So that's double that. So how can you feel well? 
if you're consuming the wrong foods and take, you know, taking it in, in in sugar or whatever. What was your question to me a minute ago? How do you feel? Yeah, you'll have the headaches. You'll have the muscle aches. You'll probably have chronic fatigue. You'll have everything you would have if you were trying to come off alcohol or come off something like that. The first day is probably the worst. Mm. I find in clinic all the time for the first two or three days, people will message me and they'll say, Muriel, I have a savage head- headache. Um, yeah, I feel nauseous, all of that kind of thing. The cravings are there. And I'm like, you have to stick with it. But it's sticking with mm. it as in, you're not off everything. It's not like you. somebody has said to you, you have to go on a total diet and you can't eat anything. You eat loads of food, but you eat the proper food. So you're not hungry in between. And even in between, if you feel you need to pick, you eat things like fruit. You eat things like um, nuts or whatever. Mm. And you can even eat the high sugar fruits in the beginning if you really feel that sugar piece I is there. I have years ago when, when I tried that, it takes me about three days to kind of get back to no, normal. But you're saying yeah. between three. But yeah. I found chromium. Yeah, works. Very it does. Good. Chromium, zinc, and magnesium are probably the three yeah. that work really, really well. If you're unsure, like one of the things we'd say a lot, and in a lot of the, um, I do a lot, you know, the the courses and workshops and all of that kind of thing. If you need help, get help. Mm. So if you feel you can't do it on your own and you just need the support, just reach out and get support from somebody that can actually mm. go through it with you. And even if you're not getting expert help, if you even get somebody like a friend or someone to do it with you, you write it all down. So write down exactly what you're having every day. That makes you accountable. Mm. So even if you don't give that to anyone else, you see it yourself and you can actually see where you're going wrong. But I I, I keep saying this, Mary, it is extremely powerful. I mean, as you know, I enjoy a drink, the odd glass of wine, but it wouldn't bother me too much if I don't have a glass of wine. But if I can't have a biscuit or a piece of chocolate or something, I'm... Yeah. You don't but, want to be around me. No, but you can change your mindset as in you can have something else instead. So it's not I can't have, what can I have? So okay. don't say I can't have the bar of chocolate. Mm. Yes, I can have jar- dark chocolate. Mm. Or yes, I can have something sweet like Mel... <laughs> He's so bold, isn't he? Like, seriously. <laughs> it's just horrible. <laughs> you get used to it, though. Yeah. Do you know if you started with something like 50%, uh, 50% is a mixture too so that's still sweet and you know there's so many chocolates there now in the supermarkets um, I bought one the other night I was starving mm-hmm. I knew I was starving coming home um, in one of the supermarkets it said dark chocolate with coconut and seeds or whatever but the minute I put it into my new straight away like there was a load of sugar in it right. it was so sweet you like, just knew by the taste dark yeah. chocolate isn't sweet but it's not what you can't have it's what you can have yeah. and if you just get it into your mind it's all about habits it's all about habits. Like habits take. What do they say? Habit take. Habits take to form. Um, is it twenty one days? Twenty one days. I yeah, think, yeah, for a habit to form. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's all about habits. If you get it into your head, I'm not going through another year feeling miserable. That's the biggest thing. I'm not going through like choose your heart. And I know I'm like a broken record, but is your heart being well, looking well, feeling well, being able to do things and being your age? Or is your heart being overweight, being miserable, being sick, Mm. being on all the tablets under the sun and craving the wrong foods and wondering where your next meal is going to be and what it's going to be and overeating to the extent you feel so guilty and you're beating yourself up over it. But within an hour, you're doing the same thing again and you go to bed waking up. How did you manage to just sum me up there in the the last 60 seconds? Because I've, I've lived it all. Like, it's not just you. Like, I know, and I know. people come in and they say to me, like, Muriel, how do you get it? I get it because I live it as well. Because if I do that road, I feel like rubbish. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if I do the other road, I feel good. So, like, yeah, I can do the taco chip and the wine, and mm. then you want the crisps, and then you want the chocolate, and then you want whatever. We're all human. 
Mm. I don't know anyone out there that's an angel. Tell me, tell me about the anger thing because you were talking about being angry yeah. earlier. What, well, what is anyone that that's about? watched the ads even on telly will tell you. Like if if your blood sugars drop to a certain extent, these are the sicker bar ads. Yeah, aren't yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the hangry piece comes out, yeah. like that you just can't cope. That you'll just literally you're ready to kill someone. If I don't have food, I'm like I'm that just all the time. <laughs> Fran needs to come in to me, doesn't he, guys? And sit down with me. And I need to tie him to the chair, literally. And, yeah. Try and change my ways. So bold, yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. But um, it's um, funny. A girl can, it does affect your mood that badly that you get angry. It, it totally, totally, annoyed. yeah. And you know, p- people that come in to me, they're like, Muriel, I can't cope. I had one man that actually said to me, um, before he started, right, so he two months done. So at this stage, everything was coming back down and he was starting to feel so much better drove a van for a living he said two months ago and he said I can't explain where the difference has come but two months ago he said um, if I was down at sight here and a car we heard a car beeping if a car behind me beeped I would have jumped out of the van he said I would have been ready to tear the head off him literally that yeah, my head yeah, would have went in the window and he said I wouldn't have done it because I wanted to do it I couldn't have stopped myself doing it and he said that's the way I was because of food and he said now because I've changed all of this piece he said I wouldn't that wouldn't even dream of me, dream, dream of happening another guy said to me he was working in one of the big multinationals here and he said the, the girls would know at lunchtime when he was coming in to leave because his form would be so bad and he would attack every single person and he said, again, it was the foods he was eating and he couldn't wait to get in there to actually get food into him to actually make him come back and make him, you know, become more mellow. He didn't come into me because his health markers were wrong or because, you know, um, there was something, he was overweight or anything like that. It was literally because of his mood and he knew that he was working mm. himself out of a job doing what he was doing where he was. But Muriel, everybody is talking nowadays about anxiety and depression and mental health, but nobody speaks about that relationship with what we eat. I can't understand that because like even omega-3s if you're deficient in it it's going to make you feel really unwell and like if I was to do a research piece on say now whatever the 800 clients that we have coming through the difference it makes when you change your world on this side to how you actually feel is just phenomenal like it's like a girl said to me yesterday you know she said somebody asked her what she gets from coming in so she had an appointment with me and she said Muriel cares for me and I said, isn't that just lovely? And she said, well, that's what we feel Marito is about. You care enough to do the education and support and follow through so we're able to make the changes. When we make the changes, we feel better. Mm. You have to feel better, Fran. Choose, I keep saying it, write it down on something big. Choose your heart. Is your heart the SHIT food that's totally ultra-processed and you feel miserable? Or is your heart getting yourself out for a walk, picking an apple up instead of the chocolate. Do you know what I mean? So even like, say, with the Red Bull, you don't do loads of changes and you don't do them all together. You decide, I'm going to do one thing. Mm. I told you that before, yeah? But sugar is killing us. Sugar is a poison. You know, all of that piece is a poison. If mm. we go back to where we were, whatever, your breakfast, lunch and dinner, and enjoy your treat. If you can't do without your bar of chocolate or your couple of biscuits, four biscuits a day isn't going to kill you. Mm. A package of biscuits, a bar of chocolate, a Red Bull and a glass of wine probably will. Am I blushing? You noticed how I picked all the things <laughs> Fran has? I know that, yeah. Thanks. And sausage rolls. Th- thanks, thanks for that. Well, well, only sausage rolls from that particular uh, garage. In uh, if you have porridge at half past seven in the morning, go for a half an hour walk before work, lunch at one and tea in the evening, uh, healthy living, along with a couple of pints at the weekend. There's somebody now who has a balance. That That's is balance, totally it? perfect. Yeah. That is perfect, yeah. 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 And if somebody can't manage to go from half past seven until lunchtime and they've done the walk and all that kind of thing, yes, have your nuts, have your yogurt, 
you know, have fruit. And like I say to people, everything is in oats, like fructose and fruit and all of that kind of thing. But if you're a healthy person, you can have melon and pineapple and mango and kiwi and all those beautiful sweeter fruits yes. that you'll get your, your hit from instead of getting it from the ultra-processed side. Somebody wondering about bananas. Loves bananas, but uh, heard that they're not good for you. No, that's nonsense. Bananas are really good for you. They're full of potassium, full of vitamin K. But yes, they do have 10 teaspoons of sugar in them, right? A banana, if you're going to have it at lunchtime, um, and there's nothing at all wrong in your world, is an absolutely perfect lunchtime snack. It's just if you already have a lot of sugar in your world and we're trying to reduce the effects of sugar, etc., we'd probably say leave the banana for now, leave the higher sugar fruits for now, like grapes, etc., mm. and eat the lower sugar ones like your apples, your oranges, your pears, your berries, things like that. Okay, all right. A couple of queries. Yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. that Go okay? For it, yeah. uh, Fran, my doctor put me on iron tablets for low iron, but my stomach is in bits with them. I'm eating lots of uh, green veg, but I'm wondering is there anything that Muriel could recommend instead of? the tablets. Now, I know you wouldn't recommend that somebody goes off tablets that are prescribed to No, you to can't. Them. And yeah. it's strange because most of the iron tablets are actually okay now that they're they're okay. Mm. With your stomach. But they're affecting her tummy. You definitely have to eat with them. That's okay. one of the things. You know, you'll get your iron from like steak and spinach and things like that. But if you put her on iron tablets, he put her on it for a reason. Like, obviously, our iron levels are very low. But she has to eat with them. That's one of the biggest things. If you take them on your own, you're going to feel, your tummy will feel miserable. All right. Marie says, you need to be honest with Muriel now, friend. But I... I... <laughs> Fran is totally that's, honest that's with me. Like I'm ready to kill him. That's the trouble, Marie. I'm too honest. Yeah. I should lie to her more often. No, it's not honest. He needs to listen to me. <laughs> if you can't put on weight, says one of our listeners, uh, what should you do? I have bronchitis and bowel issues as well. If you somebody who can't put on weight, yeah, do so you come across that a bit. I do. I do. A third of the people that come in. It's on that side rather than the other they side. Can't put on weight. Yeah, yeah. Lucky so time. if she has bowel issues, there's gut related issues. So there's malabsorption issues. So she's not going to put on weight. So we need to figure them out. She needs to give me a shout and, and I'll go through it with her and tell her what she needs to do. Right. Uh, two slices of white bread toast in the morning. Um, what about that? I don't have white bread at, at any other time of the day, it says here. You see, it's all in moderation, isn't it? It's 80-20, but if you were to ask me, why would you even have white bread in the morning? It's ultra-processed, you're going to get nothing from it. It'll stick in your digestive well, system well, the minute you swallow it. It's, it's no good. The gorgeous stuff is no good. That's yeah, literally, yeah. like, ultra-processed. If you look up my Instagram account, I've done a piece on whole grain proper bread in comparison to white bread, mm. and I spoke about the pieces in white bread, if you were to put a drop of water and fire it against the wall, how it would stick, so how it, how it is within your system, and there is no nutritional content there and you know some of the bread companies even now are putting out things like you know they'd be good for us and yes this yeah. will tell you about advertising and the marketing piece right it's all over I listened to it the other morning as I was putting in a load of washing there's only 60 calories in this bread this cal- this bread is so good you can have x amount of slices a day and all of that right there's only 70 calories in a normal slice of bread oh yeah and like right. so many extra chemicals in this 60 calorie and the slice is smaller so, like, that's t- total bunkum, isn't it? But you, this is the thing, you see. You, you know, there's so much out there to wade through by way of it's marketing. It's the marketing. And, and, yeah. and they have it in this lovely high-pitched whatever it is and they have this lovely person doing it or whatever. Mm. Look beyond all that and just simplify. Go back to, like, normality. Like, let us all just go back to, you know thinking right. properly and yeah. when, when you're leaving don't look at my desk downstairs okay okay because okay, I, I, I only bought that energy drink because I was wondering about this kind of new scheme the return scheme is there, that's, is that's the only the, reason is there a drawer <laughs> <laughs> if there was I'd be yeah. hiding out of there for sure if people want to talk to you Muriel how yeah, can they um, do that can I say first of all Fran sorry yeah. Muriel doesn't shut up um I had three people in this week um, and they'd had their blood results done and they got a text back to say everything is satisfactory. 
um, you need to get your blood results. So can I just say that to people? Like, ask for a copy of your blood results and go through them and learn yourself where your health is at. If you don't understand, I can run through them with you and I can show you exactly. But satisfactory and a text isn't good enough for me if you've paid to have something done. When it comes to our health, if we don't take back control, we have no idea. So take back the control yourself. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. Most of us just, just got that uh, yeah, text message. Yeah. Slightly high blood pressure. Uh, GP wants me to go on medication. I don't want to. I'm 45. Can I reverse this myself? Well, look, if your GP says go on the meds, go on the meds. But you can but reverse. But you can, totally. You can like, totally, yes. yeah, like lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, Fran, yeah. if I couldn't put on weight, I'd be on cloud nine, says Teresa. I know how you feel, Teresa, but still, it can be a huge it affects people, people to the same extent, yeah, oh, same right. thing, yeah. Did you give out your number? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, it's 0526148811, or if you want to go on the website, it's www.maritoh20.com and you can pop in a comment there. All right. Where do you buy those sausage rolls from? Stop! <laughs> Seriously. All right, okay. We'll take a break. Thanks, Muriel. Thanks, Thanks very much, Lee. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie now, with farmers striking and protesting right across uh, Europe, Tipperary IFA have decided to hold their own protests uh, to stand in solidarity with uh, their colleagues across uh, the EU. And South Tipperary IFA Chairman Pat Carroll is with me now. Good morning to you, Pat. Uh, good morning, friend. Uh, good to talk to you today, and thanks for coming on with us. Um, Would you tell us about the demonstration that you're holding? It is this evening, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is this evening, and. At, at short notice, but I suppose it, it, it took off in the last few days. Um, there, were, there was a branch in Kilmac Thomas and Waterford uh, done something of their own and their own it back, and I suppose it snowballed from there. Um, all yesterday and the day before, farmers were ringing in to know what, what are we going to do, so there was a push on there to do some sort of a demonstration and to highlight uh, the issues and, and what we have in common with our fellow farmers across Europe, where there's some major protests going on, and not all issues are the same, but we do have a lot of common issues. And uh, and what what are they, them. Pat? What what are the big ones? I, I, I think the two the, the two main ones that we were to talk about for now even was I suppose the first one is the Mercosur deal, mm. which, which South America like is, is there for some like twenty years. And again this week, like the commissioner uh, and they're on the way out. Like I mean, you have elections later this year in the current commission, and they're still talking about trying to close a Mercosur deal. Like and when you consider. Uh, what we're trying to do in Ireland and in Europe from an environmental point of view, it's absolutely demoralising for a farmer uh, to hear him talking about uh, bringing in beef from South America. And, and just for non-farmers, Pat, this is cheap beef that will come in from South America and we won't know of its origin, for example. Yes, and it doesn't have the same uh, standards uh, to, to tra- of traceability. Yeah. Uh, they have a completely different system than to Europe. Some of, some of that is coming off of land that is deforested. It has huge environmental issues. And, and like, it's not like as if we're short of beef in Europe. Like, I mean, mm. we, we are sufficient uh, and from that point of view. But it's, why would you, uh, the, the European producer, why would you restrict them on, on, on certain conditions in producing food in Europe, which you'll allow it to come in from elsewhere with no conditions attached? Like, it, mm. it's completely meaningless. And even for the taxpayer... 
who, who is subsidising uh, the chief food policy in Europe are, are being undermined by allowing this to come in because they're paying for this top quality food that we produce. We produce the highest standard in the world. So this, this Mercosur deal is, is, is mm. one side of it, and, and that affects everybody across Europe from a firm point of view. Yes, and will, will you just answer your own question as to why? I mean, my understanding is that there's there's deals being done with South America where the likes of the Germans and stuff will sell motor cars there, and then by way of, uh, I don't know, an agreement or something, beef then will come into Europe. Is, is it that simple? Is it just yes. about? Yeah. It is as simple as that, and, and I think what is also not, not being highlighted here is the, the, the conditions, the environmental standards of cars that would have to go into Brazil versus what goes into Europe hasn't been highlighted. Wow. Um, are they as environmentally friendly as we in Europe? Because we have a different set of standards here. Like the tra- tractors being manufactured and cars being manufactured in Europe being exported to third countries that do not have the same standards here and are using engines that we used 10 or 15 years ago. So like a lot of it has got to do with, with, with what Europe wants to export rather than what we're going to import and and it also is uh, a cheap food policy but they're undermining the European farmer. But but this is this is so ironic when you consider all of the various directives from Europe in terms of us doing something about climate change and the like and here we have something going on that's completely at odds with that. Well I suppose what sums it all up when you consider a boatload of wood chip coming from Brazil to Ireland and having to be carted by a lorry to the to the the plant, um, like that sums it up. I, I think that sums it up for everybody. Um, I all, we all have to do more, uh, and 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 we have to do more. We're we're not denying anything, and we're not. We're just want fair play, and I think fair play is 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 the least you can ask uh, in in the current. And I suppose the other angle coming at this is bureaucracy and European bureaucracy, mm. and 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 how it's come across here because it's huge bureaucracy. Uh, one time we were pushing. Uh, boatloads of paper um, with applications and, mm. and just just for your non-farming listener um, I suppose from the point of view and I know it, your, your text message machine will probably light up with their IRAs that farmers are looking for money and schemes the majority of what we produce as farmers is produced at or below the cost of production and we are then subsidised to carry it and that is a political uh, will has been there probably since World War II to, to guarantee uh, supply of very high quality cheap food. So the way they do it is they subsidise us rather than the consumer having to pay the price. Mm. And that price is borne out by the fact that up to 2022 and the 20 years up to 2022, food prices actually dropped by minus 0.6%. Dropped now. Didn't increase. I know it increased after the Ukraine war started, but in the same period, the, the, the inflation was 41%. So you can see why a farmer, Dean, you're running faster to stand still because your costs are rising and rising but food prices remain the same, and and we're doing even more. And in some cases, like the supermarkets, we can see they're they're turning over billions in profits. Like you know, it's, it's like you know, and the consumers are paying a fair price for this food, but it's not all coming back to the farmer. But going back to the bureaucracy, then of the schemes and all of the schemes that are there, and it's a bit like I I've listened to various discussions you've had there about the cashless society and all that, and we're facing something similar in farming, from from an IT point of view, we can no longer fill up a farm and post it in or hand it in to the Department of Agriculture. Everything has to be online. And while I am I would consider myself fairly computer savvy, I would not risk doing an application to the department in the event of making a mistake. So I have to hire an advisor to do it on my behalf because you just couldn't risk it. There are so many different angles at it. 
and so many different uh, documentation to be uploaded and whatnot. And it's a whole area that's completely disadvantaging a lot of farmers. It, it's, a bureau, it's the bureaucratic side of it now even. It's just the application process mm. is even as difficult as trying to carry out the measures, if you know what I mean. All right. So your meeting, to, it's Care Mart uh, this evening, but I think it's uh, half a seven, is it, Pat? We'll, we'll be gathered from half past seven and we'll leave at eight, eight o'clock sharp. We'll go through Care and then we'll go up the old N8, the old main road, up to the way and on into Cashel and we'll do the, the ring of the rocky Cashel down through the town. Look, we don't want to uh, cause a nuisance to anybody. We're out to highlight uh, the issues that are out there. And I suppose, look, taking into account, it's an election year. Um, we see now where, where MEPs and, and, and whatnot are getting, getting very active again. And, and, and I think, like, we as farmers are going to fight our case as best as we possibly can. And we also want to highlight the elections that are there and, and for those that are working on behalf of our rural economy. Because, like, <clears throat> we are part of, while farming is a huge part of the rural economy in Tipperary, it's very important to all those towns, like the Care, like the Cashel. It's important to Tip FM, all these businesses. If we don't have these communities and these people working locally, we lose all our local services. So we all need each other. Uh, from that point of view. So we're fighting our case on this one and I'd like to say that when you see us out and you see the flashers going, uh, we're highlighting our issues and we're just trying to make life that little bit easier and get rid of some of the bureaucracy and maybe bring a bit of common sense to the likes of the Mercosur and, and, and some of the other issues. All right. Good to talk to you today, Pat. And we wish you well for tonight. And thank you very much indeed for that. That's uh, Pat Carroll speaking to us there of uh, South Tip uh, IFA. Let's go north now and to the North Tipperary IFA uh, chairperson. And that's uh, Baden Powell. Baden, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Fran. Uh, good, good to talk to you again. It's been quite a while, Baden. And I presume much of what Pat said to me, you would go along with uh, there. Would, along, would, would, would they be said, the issues uh, for you as well, Baden? They would. Uh, I, I, I thought Pat got the message across very well that there's no need for me to, uh, you, you know, but, but tonight he's mainly about showing solidarity with our European farmers. Uh, we, we And uh, th- this is just the first step. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll get a feel for it. If things change, we'll, we'll up uh, our, our, our protest as well. But uh, <clears throat> it's, there's a lot of frustration out there and people just want to vent it some way. And uh, likewise, we're meeting at half seven off Junction 24 off the motorway, uh, which is the Tumivara exit. And uh, I'll say a few words there, and I've g- gathered the thoughts of farmers who mightn't be coming to IFA meetings and things, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll mm. allow people uh, vent uh, a bit of their anger. They're, they're frustrated. They're I'm, I'm sure they are, Baden. And I, by comparison to what you're doing and what Pat is doing this evening, I mean, I see an enormous anger uh, right across Europe with farmers, with them. I mean, protesting is, is the understatement. I mean, they're bringing Paris to a standstill, for example, you know, all, all over Europe. Why, why are we a bit slow in reacting here in terms of standing up and protesting, do you think? Uh, I've thought about that one, Fran. I don't. I, I think maybe it's because we're... I, this is just purely personal view. I think we're a newer... newer uh, you know, we're we're a newer republic. We we don't we we respect our politicians a bit more. I, I I personally wouldn't like to see us doing some of the things they're doing out there. I think it shows a bit of lack of respect. Mm. Um, yes, they're so they're, they're spraying is, stuff on top of. Yeah, I I, I think that yeah. I don't know. I I couldn't bring myself to do it. Mm. Uh, but um, I I at the same time, um, you, you know, you can protest without going that far. I think you know. I I think we fought 
you know, as a country, we're too young. We like to hold on to what we have. I don't think we'd show, we'd do, we'd do mm. that to our, 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 our political buildings, and I don't, I don't think we'd do mm. that. No. The, um, the, the, the Mercosur deal is that is that something that is, is is huge with your members that you're talking to as as well, Baden. Well, look, uh, I'm a beef farmer myself. Yes. I, I've cut back a bit, uh, but I was. Uh, and uh, you know the, the amount of bureaucracy we have to go through now. Uh, we are producing a very good product. It is, and we're you know we're all the time being hammered by the environmentalists, and a lot of them have good intentions. But to think that we can let in, as Pat says, the cheap beef and they chance on forests out of it, and uh, and you know we're doing our we're planting hedgerows to try and increase habitat, and they're demolishing them and. Uh, you know, yeah, and and the irony is that the the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, for his St Patrick's Day trip, he's going to Brazil. Yeah, I, I saw that the other day. I couldn't stop laughing uh, when I saw it. Uh, and another one that's coming there. Pat spoke about the wood chip. I mean, yeah. that is someday we're going to do a Father Ted. There's going to be a, a Father Ted program done on what farming has been doing for the last few years, and it will be very laughable. But what is serious is coming on a national. It is. And it nearly happened straight after Christmas there. The renderers, the people that take the dead animals, they're under pressure. And it's a bit the wood chip story. Part of the extra cost that they have that's making it so... Like, it's prohibitive now. It's over 100 euros for a dead animal on a farm. Is uh, when everything gets rendered down, the byproduct just be spread on the land. And it used mm. to be, you know, maybe mm. in an ash farm or something like that. But Eamon Ryan, that with, that's banned now in Ireland. So that gets loaded up on a truck and is taken to Germany. And that's spread on a German man's farm. <laughs> and then we're it's, it's, not allowed it's, it's unbelievable, to make, isn't it? make, make briquettes here. Yeah. And uh, we bring back the German briquettes. Yeah. You, couldn't, yeah. you couldn't write the story. It's, and and, and, and the, why, it's not as good a product. That's, you know? Know. that's the sort of stuff farmers yeah. are frustrated. And horticulturalists are telling me, I mean, that we're importing peat into this country now at this point. Yeah, very same. Yeah, you could... The peat... You know, it's it's uh, not allowed. You know, there's there's a there's a huge shortage of stuff. We're not allowed to use peat for bedding animals, or you know, that's all been slowed down. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. As you say, it all sounds rather rather chaotic. Uh, Baden, we wish you well for tonight. So it's junction twenty four at about half past seven, isn't it? Seven, and the wheels will be moving at eight o'clock. And thanks very much, Pat. All right, you're welcome anytime. Thanks very much, uh, Baden Powell there of North Tip IFA talking to us. We'll be back in just uh, a moment's time. So see fiddling around with the computer. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, Katrina is with me from uh, the Irish Farmers Journal. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, friend. And uh, we've just been talking there about those uh, IFA protests uh, tonight, uh, both in, in, in Care and in Nina as well. You and I were speculating last week, in fact, would Irish farmers join their European colleagues in, in protesting? It seems like they're doing that. Yeah, 
and I think what the, the, the tactic that's been taken is, is very interesting and also probably very wise because it's been framed as a show of solidarity mm. with the European farmers. That's important because what has brought the you know the European farmers out on the streets have actually been very specific things in their countries. So, for example, in Germany, it was a cut to the green diesel subsidy mm. and changes to tax breaks for agricultural vehicles. Um, and what you know, so, so specific things have triggered the protests in Germany and in France. Um, again, in France, it was it was related to uh, change to the green diesel tax, but. What they all have in common, what I think both Pat and, and Baden told you there, was that they are all farmers across Europe are equally frustrated by the bureaucracy mm. and also what they feel are kind of double standards when it comes to what farmers are expected to do from an environmental point of view versus what other countries, for example, in the Mercosur trade agreement, the Brazils of this world, are not being held to the same standard. So... Um, I think what the IFA is doing is is allowing um, farmers to show support for their European colleagues, which they want to do. You know, mm. they're equally frustrated by what's going on, while at the same time, there isn't a specific thing here in Ireland at the minute that is bringing them onto the street. So I, I expect a big turnout tonight, actually, um, because of that, because it's it's a way for farmers to show their frustration. Yes. Um, Funnily enough, Katrina, I'm looking at the screen in front of me here and there's quite a few people on to us to say that it's a weak effort. Now, I suppose they're comparing it, I suppose, to how militant uh, the protests have been right across Europe. Yeah, and look, that's that's interesting because for me, there is a huge risk in doing what, for example, the French and the Germans have done. Yeah, they brought Paris to a standstill, didn't they? Paris to a standstill, uh, Berlin absolutely blocked up and other cities in Germany in Belgium, the, the port of Zeebrugge was blocked. Um, but you risk turning the public against yeah, you. Yeah. Um, and you risk, uh, uh, I suppose, getting the wrong reaction from the politicians that you're trying to influence. Um, so, to be honest, I would disagree with, with the commentary that it's a weak effort. I think um, it's a show of solidarity. And, of course, we haven't seen how many will turn out. It would be very interesting to see how many will turn out. But in terms of, of echoing fellow farmers across Europe, I think that that's probably going to get farmers out. To the current issue of the journal then, Katrina, it is St. Bridget's Day. Many of your stories, you, you sort of have a female focus, have you not? We have, yeah. We, we did a lot of um, looking at uh, the, I suppose, the, the gender balance and the, the gender representation in um, in the country's uh, co-ops and elsewhere. So, if I can bring you back 12 months ago, this is uh, St. Bridget's Day, and the first ever Women in Agriculture Dialogue was held this time last year, um, headed up by mm. Mary Coughlin, the farmer, former Minister for Agriculture. And there was a report published this week um, as a result of that day, and there's been a number of recommendations made, actually a lot of recommendations. Some of them, um, I suppose, very practical. So uh, there's a recommendation that our tax structure in Ireland needs to be looked at to make sure there's no unintended tax barriers to women owning farms. Yes. Um, to look at the uh, the capital gains tax and the capital acquisitions tax, the terms of those at the minute actually are in favour of a single farmer land ownership and and penalise joint farm ownership. So in many cases, we know that there are women on farms who are equally farming but not on the documentation. Um, So this is kind of a very practical um, way to avoid that exclusion of women as as co-owners of farms. 
Um, and then similarly, recommendations there made on uh, the equality for young farmer relief and transfer of, uh, instead of, say, one child, going into the joint names of, say, the child and their partner, whoever that may be. Um, another very interesting one and, and, you know, kind of an amusing one, if if, uh, if you take a lighthearted look at it, but um, our uh, agribusiness editor, Larkin Roach Kelly, mm. looked at the changing representation of um, women on the dairy cooperative boards. We did this about seven years ago, back in 2017. We looked at all the dairy processors and found that there was only one woman out of 97 board members um, across uh, one, two, three, about eight co-ops of, of the large dairy processors. Very little has changed. So this time... I think there's about ten, three now, is it? Yeah, three out of 98. And I mean, on a light-hearted note, there are actually more people called William on the board of Tipperary Co-op as there are women on all boards of all the main dairy co-ops. Now, that's really so, important data. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just shows how practical the situation is, I suppose. Yeah. And, and, uh, now, I do know that some of the co-ops, look, they have been making strides. And I know, for example, um, Glanbia and others have put active, I suppose, work in play now to encourage women to come up the ladder mm. into those dairy co-op positions. So there is work there, but there is a long road to go to to bring that you know three and, and out Katrina, of you you've been looking at this for for and you're immersed in this. Why are the numbers so low? What what do you put that down to? There's a lot of reasons for it, and and to hang it on one would be the wrong thing to do. Right. But we have heard from women that, for example, things as as simple as timing of farmer meetings can okay. be a problem. Yeah. So if if uh, if the woman is the primary child carer in in a household in the evening evening farmer meetings, evening co-op meetings are a disaster. Um, very practical things like that. Um, the visibility, you know, we're bringing you back to those, those um, the tax changes that have been recommended. Mm. The, the official visibility of the farmers, if you're only allowed one herd keeper or one um, uh, milk supplier name on all the documentation, the woman who may be in, you know, in, in an unofficial partnership in the sense of not a registered farm partnership, may be invisible. Um, so there's, there's an, any yeah. number of reasons. But and, and, and one of them as well, I suppose, we hear so much in sport as well, is if you can't see it, you can't be it. And the reverse must apply. We need to see the and, and probably make much of and make more of the women who are there so that um, but the Katrina, others can I be encouraged th- I by thought that. there was an obligation on boards to have some form of gender equality. Is there not an obligation there? So the Minister for Agriculture has said that in the uh, in the Department of Agriculture, so the state boards that are connected to the Department of Agriculture, so for example, the Chagas, the Board B is, the Board Iskiwara, all of those, um, he has said that there has to be um, much better gender, uh, gender equality on those boards. And if it doesn't happen uh, organically, he will force it to happen. Um, so it takes time, obviously, for, for women to gain the experience on, you know, boards at maybe a local level or whatever before they will move up the ranks to those national boards. Just so much to do, um, Fran. Mm. And I suppose on St. Bridget's Day and the week that's in it, uh, it's, it's a of good course. time to highlight how much work still remains there. We were talking at the start about farmers being angry. Um, in in this case, the anger has, uh, well, it's resulted in some change from the department. I'm thinking of the Suckler Carbon Efficiency Programme, Katrina. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So big change this week to the uh, SCEP programme. 
it's a technical rule change, but what it means is that more females will be eligible for the scheme than was previously the case. Um, and Darren Carthy has gone into the details of the scheme there. It's to do with the dam and the sire and what star rating they have. And under the recent changes by the ICBF, the Irish Cattle Breeding Federation, some of those heifers would have been downgraded in their stars. There was an awful lot of pressure put on by farmers and the pedigree breeder societies. Um, and that has resulted in the change that if you are in SCEP, that index change shouldn't penalise you now. And if you sell those animals to another SCEP herd, you won't be penalised. So I think that will be welcomed by the farmers who were right. affected. It should be welcomed, I'd imagine, by the pedigree breed societies, although they may still say that the ICBF index is, is not the right way to go with those recent changes that were made. Will you finally tell me about this consultation process that's happening uh, on the National Biomethane Strategy? They're looking for farmers and the general public to take part in this consultation, are they? Yeah, that's right. So part of our climate targets is to develop an anaerobic digestion industry. Yeah. And that's, you know, huge big plants being fed with feedstocks such as animal slurry, grass slurry, glass, grass silage, apologies, and waste food. Other countries are streets ahead of us in this. We've been very slow to get it off the ground. But we have a target. Like The government has set a target of having 5.7 terawatt hours of biomethane every year by 2030. That would meet about 10% of the gas that we use in the country and it would save us about just over 2 million tonnes of carbon dioxide equivalent. So two good environmental um, changes there. Coming off the fossil fuel onto a renewable energy and saving the carbon footprint. But as it stands, there's only two AD plants working enough, uh, working to a level at the moment and all they can produce is 0.001% of our gas demand. Wow. So there's huge ground to be made up there as well. There's a draft strategy there. It's been published and they're looking for farmers, the general public, everybody to to have their say on whether, uh, you know, what's the right way to go about it uh, to reach that target. All right. Somebody asking, does Katrina think that the farmer protests will expand in some way? Do you think it's just going to be about this evening or are we going to see more of this, Katrina? Both Pat and Baden there brought up uh, Mercosur deal. Yeah. So the Mercosur deal is a real, you know, there is there is a push on in Europe to to get that deal done ahead of elections and ahead of changes. Um, that is a very big issue for Ireland as a beef producing nation because the Mercosur deal would bring in ninety nine thousand tons of beef from countries like Brazil into the European market. It would inevitably have an effect on our beef price because if you put in that much beef into the market, it'll dampen the price and demand for Irish beef. Um, I would expect that if Mercosur, if there was any feeling that the Mercosur deal was going to be done, Irish farmers would probably get very agitated very quickly above a show of solidarity. Katrina, it's always good to talk to you and happy St. Bridget's Day and thanks very much Katrina thank you, uh, bye bye to you now that is uh, Katrina there from the Irish Farmers Journal uh, that's about it uh, from me uh, Leanne produced and of course uh, Ali looks after our content Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel and I will talk to you tomorrow so do look after yourselves won't you, bye bye 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Congratulations.